Welcome to Game & Watch, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we are talking about Final Fantasy IV, the JRPG developed and published by Square and released for the Super Nintendo in 1991. Now, we will get into what version we are playing. There are many versions of this game, uh, but when it first came out, it published just by Square and Super Nintendo in 1991. I like to think of it as playing the original even though i'm very clearly not and there are game modifiers i used um so let me just i'll just get ahead of it well for first let me say you sound very excited i am very excited uh let's yeah let's jump into my history with the game a bit yeah i never had a super nintendo so i played a lot of super nintendo games final fantasy 4 5 6 chrono trigger super mario world a lot of those games through emulation on my computer at home when i was a kid this was one of those games. I remember I played this game to completion on emulation. I used things like save states. I sped the game up. Uh, I played around with it like that. Had a lot of fun. Uh, still found it challenging. I was originally playing the Final Fantasy II version, which we'll talk about. Okay. Then later, when it got remastered for the PlayStation 1, played it again uh, multiple times. Bought the strategy guide. Love that. Played Chrono Trigger within the same collection. Uh, I've since played the Game Boy Advance version of this game. I've played this game, the Pixel Remaster on my phone, um, played this game. The Game Boy Advance emulated probably the most times. I probably played it Advance or Game Boy Advance emulated about three times. Okay. So I played this game many times. Um, I love it. I love the music. I love the characters. I love the gameplay. Uh, we talked about this a few times, but I think if there were one Final Fantasy game that you could recommend to people that kind of encapsulates what Final Fantasy is kind of gives you all the tropes and recurring themes, recurring characters. I would say this Final Fantasy 4 or perhaps 9. But I'm mm. very excited to talk about this game. I have an extensive history with it. Uh, I think it hit me at the exact right age for jumping into JRPGs. I had played Final Fantasy 7 on the PlayStation 1 before this, and that's kind of what inspired my love of Final Fantasy or my interest in it. So after seven was when I went back through emulation and kind of tried those old ones. So I would say this was probably the second Final Fantasy I played after seven, I would bet. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you were talking about recommending a Final Fantasy game because I've actually been doing just that to a friend of mine. And it's really hard to to do that. I wouldn't say Final Fantasy four is the one that I am recommending. However, your reasons for recommending it, I think, are very appropriate it does really encapsulate a lot of the entire series. And I will admit, I'm, a, I'm, I'm more of like a novice on Final Fantasy than you. I wouldn't call myself a novice because I've played, a play, well, not, at this point, I've now played three, four, six, seven, most of eight, nine, 10, and 12. So I played a and lot of them. So you're missing the key ones, which are 13-1, 13-2, and 13-3. <laughs> yeah. I, but, but, but actually, though, I, I, my, my point being that I am missing some key ones in the sense that I, ha I am missing a little bit of like the encyclopedia that you kind of acquire by playing the earlier games. And that was what kind of drew me to four. I, so I've been, this is my first time playing the game, um, playing it for the show. I mean, I was playing it for just myself. And then last week, I proposed doing it for the show because one, it was very convenient for me, but also I really wanted to always do an older final fantasy game for this show since we've done seven. And I think it, it'd be great to do like a later one too. Although replaying 10 or like 12 would be such a daunting task. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I think we'll get to it, but I think the version you played is largely why we were able to turn this around so quickly. Oh my, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so we'll get into some of the details of the pixel remasters, but the, the final fantasy pixel remasters were just released on PlayStation and switch. They've been, been on steam. Um, I think for like almost a year now. And I was, I was always going to pick this up. I picked up this collector's edition. I got myself a fancy little like vinyl um, of some of the music um, from slip these games. Case, slip case that's just a, a sli- little bit too big. Yeah, a slip case that's too big. But there's the, also these little pixel figurines um, of some of the sprites that are really cool. Um, worth it, though I, I mainly did it for the vinyl. Uh, and because I wanted a physical copy of this. I, I always knew I would play four and five. I wasn't so sure I would play one and two, and I wasn't so sure I would replay three. I played three in the, the 3D version for DS. And I'm so glad I started with four because I had a feeling I would like it more than five. I haven't played five yet, but I'm still very confident that I will like four more than five. But like I had heard so many great things about four, and my, really my only exposure to four was just kind of hearing and passing the names of certain characters. I didn't really know the plot, which is awesome. And the music. I I'm, I've, I know so much Final Fantasy music, way more like for games that I've never even played. And the, I love the music of Final Fantasy IV. It's awesome. I mean, the, the, the rearrangements of the music in this game are incredible. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But I will say that I had a very positive experience playing this game. However... I do think that a lot of that experience was amplified or really the experience exists because of the game modifiers that I played with. And we'll break down maybe like how like gravely it changes the game because it really does. Um, yeah. And it's funny to, to, to you know, to, to, to get ahead of myself. Like I played with modifiers, you know, that let you get more experience and get more money. And there were still a couple moments earlier in the game where I was running into just not trouble, but I was like running into something where I'm like, oh, man, I cannot imagine having to do this without those modifiers. And so just grind it up. Yeah, well, well yeah. I am I'm, I'm someone who doesn't like to do generally like feeling doing modifiers, not like three times speed. I think that's nothing. But like three times like or like, you know, multipliers and stuff make me feel a little uneasy. But I think I have completely wrapped my head around those being entirely justified yes um because there are things of the original that i'm sure you will talk about that absolutely do not age well in a lot of modern games especially a lot of old jrpgs and then what's what's nice though is the companies like square and uh other companies i guess mainly square they i think they know that they really know it and that's why these exist and it's not just a graphical upgrades that they're doing. Like they have been aware that it is tough to go back and play these games, but they really want to expose a wider audience to them. And so I really just want to say up front, like I really applaud Square amidst them making some real shit games and doing a lot of shitty things like the Crystal Chronicles remaster. Um, they They appreciate their own works and they know that they have that there are there are new fans and old fans to appease and they they're they're putting in the work for the most part to 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 reach those people yeah and previously you know i mentioned there's multiple versions of this game there's one on the 3ds you can about get it on steam there's one for gba there's obviously the originals there's ps1 um and 
I don't think as much love and care went into any of those. Uh, maybe the three D or maybe the DS one, but as much as the Pixel remasters, mm-hmm. um, I think the Pixel remasters are now the definitive way to play this game. Um, before I would have said the GBA versions. Yeah, again, I've heard the, a lot of the, love for those games. The DS one is not my favorite, um, which okay. we can get into later. But sure. um, should we talk about how we got here? Yeah, so this was originally planned to, to release for the NES, um, the develop, but it was then developed for the SNES, which I, I actually. I went back and looked at footage of the old game. I would not have guessed 1991. I would have guessed. Well, maybe I would have just based on when I knew the other ones came out. But it did seem like I mean, it definitely seemed better than the old, old ones. But the graphics were such that I'm like, this kind of could have been released on the NES. But there are some graphical things about it that. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the original game is not totally foreign to me. Like I've watched a lot of videos of it now um, this week. Um, just to kind of compare it to the Pixel remasters. But anyway, the lead when design. You- yeah. Well, I was just going to say, when you compare this to something that came later in the SNES life cycle, like Chrono Trigger or oh, Final yeah, Fantasy it's VI, like, it's like, it's not night and day, but you can clearly see that they it's were almost night and day. more yeah. limited hardware, or they hadn't quite mastered the hardware yet. And yeah. So if you look at six and look at this, you can tell this was probably planned for the NES. Yes. And this, so this was the first project of Takashi Tokita, the lead designer of this game. He was also ended up going on to be the director of Live Alive and Chrono Trigger. Um, he was a very ambitious, uh, very ambitious, like first effort. Um, he really wanted to do a lot of different things that ended up not making into the game because kind of in his in his opinion and other people's opinions is that kind of made it stop being a Final Fantasy game because he wanted to do so many things that were different. And those ideas got used in games like Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger instead. Yeah, um, and I, which is I'm, neat. I'm curious what those ideas might be. Uh, we'll get to it when we talk about some of the design. Oh, elements. I can tell you one of them. I know one of them from other research I did. Please, yes. Uh, one of them is not having random encounters and being able to run into your and en- run into enemies on um on like the overworld. What a bad what idea! Did. What a yeah. bad idea! Yeah, it's would. so much better when it's random encounters. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't know. know can, I don't know if people can tell that you're being sarcastic. I'm being deeply sarcastic. <laughs> um, I wonder too how much of that was uh, tonal elements because if you look at Final Fantasy IV, it's very straight like medieval fantasy. But then you, when you get to something like Tower of Babel, it becomes this weird like techno future zone. Yeah, um, which is reminiscent of something like the future in Chrono Trigger or Final um, Fantasy VI too, or Final Fantasy VI. So I wonder if that kind of stuff they wanted him to tone down or cut, um, just because it's seemingly so like uh, Western medieval fantasy with these weird spurts of other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hiro Kuryu, uh, oh my gosh, I Hiroyuki Ito. Hirokyuki Ito, uh, the designer of Final Fantasy VI, was the battle designer of this game, and he is the creator of Active Time Battle, which we will explain in a little bit more detail later. Um, The music is composed by the one and only Nobuo Uematsu. Um, No, ah, I'm screwing all these up. Nobuo Uematsu, um, who actually had a fucking miserable time writing the music to this game, apparently. It was a lot of late nights, a lot of like sleepless nights, and uh, painstaking efforts, but you wouldn't be able to tell because no. my god, this music is good. He did a bang up job. I'm sorry to hear that it was tough on him, but clearly it was worth it in the end. Yeah. So I, one of the benefits I had from playing three and then playing this is I was able to appreciate some of the jumps, like some of the differences between those two games, not just in story, but in tone, because there was a aim um, f- to have a more focus on drama in this game, particularly like their inclusion of the themes of darkness to light and the character development of Cecil and Kane to a degree. 
Now, if you're hearing me say darkness to light and you're like, wow, so you think that's like new or that's um, <laughs> like a, a new theme? You're right. That's it, it, it isn't. But this game is doing something a little more than Final Fantasy three did. Final Fantasy three did not really care too much about developing its characters. And I would assume one and two were the same. Is that right? Yeah. Final Fantasy has a weird trajectory with how story focused versus how like freeform they are in the early entries. One is very obviously freeform because there's no set characters. You can pick your own classes. Two is very much like a character centered story with very specific characters. Three, again, is very open. Four, very character centered again. Five, very open. Six, very character centered again. And then seven on, it becomes very character focused. We haven't really had like a free form combat centric Final Fantasy really since five. five. Yeah. And I hear five is just so unconcerned about its characters that it's like a real detriment. Yeah, I can't be. But yeah, it's it's just interesting the the kind of the arc back and forth that the early entries go through. Yeah, so one thing that really blew me away is that this was developed by a fourteen person team, and I feel like that blows me away every time I learn about these older games. Like fourteen people, like that's insane. It was completed in a year. The pixel art alone, like how I, I they only must have been one or two or maybe three people on a pixel art team. Right. But God, the pixel art in this game looks great. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of games, the game was bigger, uh, especially the script was bigger than um, and then had to be cut down due to the size and you know limitations of the SNES. And um, and this also improved pacing, which I I, can't, I don't think I would have. Uh, there's there are some things I would change about this game. But overall, I would say I wouldn't meddle too much with the pacing and the story. No. And again, this is an example. We talk again a lot about this, you know, with relation to old games, but. It's an example of a limitation on old hardware actually making the end product better. Yeah. Right. There was probably just some bloat that they probably trimmed down on, like you said, which made the story move smoother. Yeah. And this was released, like I mentioned, it was released, it was developed in a year. It was released one year after Final Fantasy three in Japan. And then Final Fantasy five was released in Japan one year after that. So they're just cranking these out. But this was the only this was only the second Final Fantasy game released in the US. So it was released as Final Fantasy two. Final Fantasy VI was famously released as Final Fantasy III, and I don't think these games really came to the U.S. until maybe they were part of, like, some PlayStation collections. Yes. Um, and then GBA was really the time they found their 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 wider audience in the U.S., I would say. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the remakes in a second, but I have thoughts about each of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the U.S. localization reduced the game's difficulty. Um changed a bunch of other weird things like removing references to religion and prayer which is odd they changed like the you know the term holy to white that's not the version i played um i think the pixel remaster kind of reverted back to um, yes the japanese release or you know sort of obviously not in japanese but yeah as, as you mentioned as i mentioned there are a lot of re-releases remakes and there's even a sequel to there maybe even two sequels i i don't know i think there's only maybe there's only one um so I, I was aware of the GBA release. I wasn't really super into Final Fantasy other than like the tactics games at that point and like seven. I wasn't really interested in going back and playing the old one. So I was aware of it, but missed it. Um, the GBA one like was again, 2D, a little bit of a pixel upgrade. It looks it looks really good. So yeah, I, it, is. I, it does seem like a great one to play. I would probably try to emulate that if the pixel remasters were not a thing. And, uh, you know, like added a dungeon on the moon. I'm not I, I hear it was fine. Um, it was remade in 3D for the Nintendo DS, much like Final Fantasy 3, which is really funny because I completely missed that and I would have played it then. I wanted to play Final Fantasy 3 in 3D. I had a great time doing it. And if I had known that it was out for like four was out, I don't know how I missed that. 
but I'm guessing I guess I'm, it all worked out because like 20 years later, here yeah. I am playing it's, it for the first time. It's not my favorite. I don't love the art style. It's also much, much more difficult uh, than any other version mm. um, because they add in gameplay elements like they they allow you to have equip abilities and like people can mix and match their abilities and you can change around your party. So by the end of the game, you can have a party of like Cecil, Palum, Rosa, Sid, and I don't know, Edge or something. Mm-hmm. Like all with these weird sub abilities. It, it just, it's an interesting, intriguing idea, but it's, I don't like it. And it makes the game more difficult. And okay. I'm trying to put it in an intelligent way, but it's like they, they give you a lot to tool around with but they crank up the difficulty commensurately mm-hmm. um, in a way that I don't think works super great. Okay. Did you play the sequel? There's a sequel release, Final Fantasy IV, The After Years, uh, on smartphones and PSP. did not. I listened to a very long podcast about all of it, um, so I feel like I know the plot Does it sound it? worth playing? No. Okay. No, no, no. I, I can't say I'm very interested in any Final Fantasy sequels, except maybe 10-2, but I couldn't keep going with that. It's it's a lot of like here are the children of the characters in the first game, and then there's like there's another moon with its own problems, and it's oh it sounds it, sloppy. It feels both very from the story as I heard it, it feels both very familiar and kind of lazy. Okay, yeah. Um, and then as we mentioned, the Pixel Remaster came out in 2022 for PC uh, and 2023 for Switch and PlayStation, which is what I played uh, on Switch. I played almost the entire game handheld um almost except the end tell us about the modifiers tell us what uh the pixel remasters give you that the others don't i'll I'll mention those in a second um okay okay, let's talk about the reception and then when we get into like before we talk about the plot i think we should really break down like the way this game looks and plays um because it's neat um it feels different than older final fantasy games yet it still feels old and i say that with a lot of love and maybe a little bit of criticism i suppose um so this game was like very, very well received initially, um, especially due to its kind of storytelling difference, a lot, a little bit more drama than uh, than three, I would say. Um, I've heard it's more of a, it's a big step up from one and two. Um, I not having played those, I can't make that comparison myself. Um, but it, the re- reception is still very positive. Uh, some criticism is thrown at its ending. Without saying what the ending is, I actually agree with a lot of the criticism towards its ending. Um, it, it it commits a sin that a lot of Final Fantasy games commit, um, some to greater degree than others, um, and we'll, we'll get into it. But I, I do I do think it's a little weak at the ending. Um, it's a I mean it's as you mentioned that's not a problem unique to this Final Fantasy. Yeah, exactly. But there are many people who believe that it is one of the greatest games ever, and one of the greatest JRPGs, and one of the greatest Final Fantasy games. I would say right now. I would still, and this is a lot just having to do with personal preference of like graphics and style. Like I, I would probably put it lower than seven, six, seven, nine, ten, and maybe even lower than 12. But yes, yeah, and I still, I mean, those are all great games. I would agree with that ranking, but within the pool of those games, those are all like 10 out of 10 Final Fantasies for yeah. the most part. Well, I will, I'm, I'm, just to be clear on my part, not my ranking. I mean, six is my favorite, but I, I just 
just so no one thinks my ranking goes six, seven, nine, ten, twelve. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> just God, God forbid. Order. God forbid anyone think that. But I do think this game is better than eight because I haven't finished eight and it doesn't matter um if I do or when I do, I will not like eight more than this game. No, That's this game is better sure. than eight. Yeah. I think this is better than three for sure. Yeah. Oh, unquestionably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I guess before we'll we'll do a, we'll give a little brief plot overview, um, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, talk about the the, the yeah. graphics and the mechanics. Yeah. Um, usually, putting Final Fantasy game plots into one sentence is pretty difficult. It's impossible in some um, cases. But I pull I pulled this out, and I think it's accurately sums up kind of what's going on. Uh, a conflicted soldier must come to terms with his dark past while saving the world and protecting those he loves. I like that. That's about it. You're you're this a little ambiguous, but yeah. And um, that's what you do. You save the world. You protect people you love. Friendship is good. Pretty straightforward stuff. Pretty straightforward stuff, I'd say. Yeah. 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 Uh, um. So I'll be talking primarily about the pixel remaster stuff now. But like, I mean, the game, the pixel remaster is like the original or, you know, it's 2D pixel graphics. The original utilized the SNES's mode seven uh, graphics mode, which allowed for depth effects Um, that was used a lot in like. I think F Zero and Star Fox and Mario Kart, um, but the the here it was mainly used for the more most ob- obvious spot um, is like the tilting of the ground relative to airships when they're flying. It adds a little bit of like visual flair uh, with that happening, and I, I I appreciate that. I like it. It's a little disorienting in games like Mario Kart, but I like it here. Um, but then also it's kind of utilized for magic spell visuals, which are notably better than three. The only bummer if you're playing the pixel remaster is that the spell animations across all the remasters are the same. Uh, so are like, they really? Yeah. Thundaga in Final Fantasy four looks the exact same as in two, as in one, as in six, etc. Really? Yeah. Which is a bummer. That is a bummer. I I'm almost ashamed that I probably like because I'm eventually going to play five and six. A replay six and then play five and maybe you'll go back and play one and two but like i don't know if i would have noticed that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they look nice and i mean how many different animations can you really have for like bandaga yeah but, but that shows um, that makes that seems a little lazy yeah yeah that's a bummer um so this like we mentioned this is the first game to use active time battle um the kind of the way that's characterized is that different characters have different speeds of attack um and the pixel remaster will has a toggle where you can have it says it's like weight and active and i don't get what weight means uh because enemies don't wait for you to attack but the, the way that it's described in the menu is that like that like enemies will wait for you to attack to like choose your attack like if, if it's your turn you can like it's like makes it seem like you can have all the time in the world to choose your attack, but that's not how it is. And that's that, also like totally anti active time battle. So, well, okay. I don't really is, get what the difference was. Yeah. So uh, the active time battle. So to conceptualize it uh, in your mind, while you're watching the screen, there are the little white bars by each character's name. And as the bar fills up, that's sort of their speed gauge. And when the bar is filled, they get to use their whatever command. Yeah. While you were selecting your command, the enemy also is able to freely go as well. So the idea of active meaning that no, there's no, there's never any pause while you're selecting spells, while you're selecting items, the enemies can still attack you and do that. Now, wait does do what you're describing, 
it does enemies will like pop off their attacks but then if you mm. if you don't do anything they will not attack you while you select your item or magic or attack i feel like that was not happening that they were definitely attacking me i i forget which which mode i had it on most of the time but i feel like there was like a negligible difference between the two but maybe i'm I, just not very observant i noticed the difference because i always switch it to wait um i'm lame i don't like doing active time battle i, I, I kind of don't that. either yeah, I would prefer to have a minute to strategize, especially when it's like you're in a fight with like, let's say Rubicante, he's got his cloak up and you're like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? I want to spend, you know, 20 seconds thinking about my next move. Um, I don't want him opening the cloak and throwing off my plans and doing all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, But it, it's supposed to make the combat more fluid it's supposed to make it more exciting, whereas the combat in one, two and three, uh, everyone took their turns and it was very uh it was very straightforward like yeah. turn taking character with the highest speed stat would go next etc though i i mean i do like that kind of like i like final fantasy 10 is like some of my favorite combat in all final fantasy um any any combat where you can like manipulate the order of who is going like tactics or 10 um, like using stuff like haste and slow using stuff like haste and slow or tactics there's like fun ways you can manipulate people's turns um love 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 those combat systems yeah um, so other things about this game. So there a lot of the classic enemies are back. I mean, there's a lot of insects and demons and sea creatures and stuff to, to we'll get into maybe a couple enemies. There's there's a there's a couple classic. I don't think I ran into a cactuar though. I don't I think there are cactuars in this game, but maybe you didn't see one. Maybe I didn't see one. Um, I will say I, we talked a bit about the uh, diversity of setting a little bit earlier, but we get a lot of really awesome like medieval fantasy monsters. But then in those like techno industrial zones, mm. we get some really great like sci fi kind of looking stuff. Yeah, I do appreciate that. Um, So the Pixel Remaster had a lot of changes. There are different fonts. People were there's they got a lot of uh, shit for the original fonts that came out for the PC releases. They were like these modernized fonts fonts that are like they look like terrible aerial narrow it's like yeah. awful um i played with the with the these new ones uh added um like a more classic font i i played with that one because it's way better um the, the graphics are definitely a lot better the sprites are new some people are fans of the new sprites some people are not but they're still a little vintage looking i haven't played six yet um but i feel like six will be where i decide if i like the new sprites or not um the uh, there's completely like rearranged like full scale um, arrangements of the of the soundtrack, um, which is incredible. You have the ability to toggle the old music and the new music. I basically great. every single area I went on, I would play with the new arrangement and then I would for like a minute listen to the old one uh, yeah. and then switch it back, which I love that I could do that. Uh, you can move diagonally, which is nice. Um, you can very quickly um, change your default speed from walking to running. Obviously do that. Yes stupid not to uh the um, next change you're about to say uh had like completely revolutionized oh my god game. the maps yes the maps. oh my god yeah i went back and i watched some footage of the original like this would have like it wouldn't have stopped me from continuing the game other things might have but my goodness what it, like as a completionist or someone who i mean, I, I wasn't say I, I didn't go full completionist on this game part of the reason i didn't have it for playstation if i had trophies i might have actually been tempted to try to get every item in the game but i do like getting a lot of things i don't like missing things and man do these maps help with that yes yeah 
Um, there's like these pop-up maps you can like change the size of on the overworld and on like in the middle of dungeons. You can pull up a map and see where treasure chests are yes, in the room you're in. Treasure. My goodness, it's 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 incredible. Like um, wait until you incredible. get to five where there's a lot of like hidden pathways between walls. I mean, there's um, a lot of that in this game too. There is, yeah, that's true. Um, there's a quick save feature. Um, there's battle and tech speeds adjustments, and then I would say the most notable and the thing I abused what were the uh, exp and gill boosts so yeah. you can you can adjust it each one of them from zero i think you actually can have like you can make it even harder on yourself too um you can get change it where it's just the, it's the, the default the uh you can get two times exp or, and or gill and four times exp and or gill i started on playing two times exp and regular gill and then i was like what am i doing <laughs> No half measures, and then I switched them both <laughs> to four times. I probably, like, after the first, like, two hours, I switched them both to four times. And at first, I was judging myself for it. I wouldn't judge anyone else, but I judged myself. I felt bad about it. But then I thought, and I think you and I exchanged some texts on it. It's like, what other, What else would I have been doing? I would have had to grind for this experience in Gil anyway. Yeah, exactly. Instead of doing four battles, you're just doing one and getting the exact same amount of resources. It, it's so much better. And yeah. I didn't I didn't abuse it. Like in a lot of games where you grind and grinding is easy and they're good grind spots, I will grind to be ahead of where I need to be. That's just something I typically do. I'm doing it in Dragon Quest eight right now. <laughs> or actually I was doing it in Dragon Quest eight. So I'm pretty like cr- I'm cruising through the game right now. <laughs> um I like doing that. That's the way I like to play a lot of JRPGs. That's just me. That's not how the games are necessarily designed, but they are definitely they they willingly allow for it. Um well, the thing that I think complements that very well is a negative I find about the game, which is that you have no control over how your character levels up or how their stats grow or what abilities they learn. Ah. Uh, so in a lesser game, not a lesser game, but in a game where things work differently, yeah, you could have a low level, let's say, Rydia, but you could teach her maybe Blazaga sooner than Thundaga. So you could make her useful for a certain boss fight uh, that normally she wouldn't be leveled for, right? Yeah. However, the way the game is now, everyone's locked into the character classes. You have no idea when people are going to learn spells or abilities unless you look at a guide. So really, the only way to mitigate that and get like the abilities you're just going to need is mm-hmm. to boost up the experience. So I was going to bring this up later, but maybe now is a good time to do it. I, for the most part, actually really like what you're describing. I there there are times and maybe it's just like a depending on the time and the place, like what's going on in my life, what, like, you know, what, because I don't know if I would have always felt this way, but I like, so let me, let me just explain that in this game, there's really no party management. It It is very like the game kind of like holds your hand through who you get and when and what they learn. And sometimes that's actually a huge relief for me. I don't have to yeah. worry about that. I don't have to spend like tons of time in menus trying to figure out who needs to learn what and who, which character should have what. And that is like my biggest complaint, maybe my, really my only complaint about Final Fantasy VI. So there are not only you have not only are, is there a lot of like. Like things, you there's a lot of different things you can change about who learns what and when, what they, what what kind of stats they get boosted when you level up. Like, what are they wearing? What are like, what, what summon are you attaching to them? Like, 
but also there's 12 like 12 characters it's 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 so difficult if i'm gonna manage a ton of characters and classes and what they're learning i'd rather play a tactics game yeah that's fair uh, I, I I appreciate that this game kind of just does all of this shit for, for you. I like that a lot. But I understand, and, like, I know you love five and, I, and I'm i sure I will like five, too. I like job systems. Like, I like when you have to manage that kind of stuff. But there is a sometimes that detracts, I think, from other things of the game. And, and sometimes I think games go overboard with that. And so I, I, so I'm always a fan of underdoing it than overdoing it on that front. That makes sense to me. Also, plot wise, uh, we'll talk about kind of what happens to various party members. Yeah. But I guess it wouldn't make sense to have highly customizable party members like yes. Yang. If you have a highly customizable Yang, well, spoiler alert, you're probably not going to get to level 100 with Yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we'll I'll we'll put a pin in that. I'll bring that I'll bring that up later. Like the the characters coming and going. I think is like a good thing and a bad thing about I think game. it's a good thing and a bad thing. I think it works better in this Final Fantasy game than when a certain other Final Fantasies do it, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll get there. So the the last uh adjustment for Pixar Master that I do want to talk about is the ability to turn off random encounters. This to me is like if I was going to judge myself for anything it would be this. I turned them off almost always when I realized, because I used a guide for some of this, I turned off random encounters when I realized I missed something in a dungeon and wanted to backtrack to get it. Mm, that makes sense. I really, 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 and then also I did it like for a lot of this, the final dungeon. And part of that was because I really wanted to finish it in like the session that I was playing it in. Yeah. So it was more, more motivated by that, um, but also kind of on difficulty. But like if I miss something and I got to go all the way back down like two floors, like I if I have the option to turn off random battles, you better believe I'm doing it. Well, also, some of the dungeons are just bullshit, like especially if you didn't have the map. Imagine playing some of these dungeons with no map with the random encounters as high as they are. Brutal, brutal. Yeah. And this is something I fully support, like square changing. Like, I, I think that these are great changes. I'm a huge fan of them. Um, and I plan to play the other ones like this, <laughs> the other pixel remasters, including six. I played six the legit way. I don't need to do, ever do it again. Um, do, have you ever played six with the um invisible death exploit? No, what's that? If you cast if you cast invisible on any boss, it makes them vulnerable to death. So you can just cast invisible and then death on like every boss except Kafka and it kills them. That's amazing. Yeah, I so I've definitely maybe played I should the game do that. that way. I should maybe I should try doing that on my next playthrough. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then uh, Chocobo Forests, I, I like didn't do it. The only thing that I think Chocobo Forests are useful for in this game, this isn't a pixel remaster thing. This is just like you can go to Chocobo Forest and you can t- take Chocobos. It helps you get around faster. It's, that to me is more of like an important thing in the original because now you can turn random encounters off and increase your walk speed. Kind of don't need a Chocobo. Um, although I think Cho- there's one situation where you need a black Chocobo to get across something. You do. Yeah. Um, but generally, you can go to Chocobo Forest and you can use fat Chocobos to like basically be your like inventory or you can like store items and stuff. Which and have then, you ever needed to never, do that? Never, because ever. I never used it. I was going to mention when you uh, talked about turning up the XP in Gil for Gil, especially like in this game, 
and a lot of old Final Fantasy games, the economy makes no sense. It, not it's a, like not at all. It, it's like they all just like got drunk and were like, "How much is this sword? I don't know, forty thousand gil. Whatever. Yeah. Let's just make it that." Um, yeah. And so it doesn't feel cheap to me to just exploit gil because it doesn't feel like it was fine tuned to begin with. I agree. There were things where I'm like, I barely have enough to buy this thing, and I'm doing four times gil. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. They just want you to grind more to be yeah. able to buy it. So. Yeah. The other thing you can do in Chocobo Forest is there are Chocobos that can replenish at least your MP. I think also maybe your HP. That I'm not sure. I I don't go into Chocobo Forest. Often. That's fine. You wouldn't call me dead in a Chocobo Forest. <laughs> would be weird if I caught you dead in a Chocobo Forest in real That's life. Yeah. Um, well, start us off. Let's get into the story. Yeah. So let's uh, let's jump right into Final Fantasy Four. Uh, so we open on a secret mission by the Red Wings, the elite airship unit for the Kingdom of Baron. Uh, that is where our main character, Cecil, is from. So on the ship, monsters attack, and we get our first chance to kind of see Cecil and the combat system in action. Something that this Final Fantasy game does that I don't think 1, 2, or 3 did is have scripted encounters. Or no, that's not true. 2 has scripted encounters. Okay. Um, so I was wondering about that because I don't think 3 did. 2 definitely has a scripted encounter. Um, but essentially like fights that will happen. And so within the combat system of the game, but you have no direct control over it. So it's, it's meant to kind of be part of the story. So we see Cecil dispatch these enemies on the airship. Cecil is a dark knight. I'm going to say Cecil. I'm going to say Cecil. It doesn't really matter. I, I'm yeah, I'm a, I'm a Cecil. I think I used to say Cecil for a long time. I don't know when that changed. I probably yeah. saw some movie that I liked where they just started calling the person Cecil. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing it wrong forever. Yeah, I don't think it really matters, but Cecil Cecil is a dark knight. Uh, that is his class gameplay-wise and story-wise, and he has been sent by the King of Baron to steal the four elemental crystals of the world. Very Final Fantasy, uh, yeah. four crystals, four elements. The current mission has them attacking the magical town of Mysidia to gain its water crystal. And so in this opening, we see them succeed, but many are killed in the process. Uh, so that's our opening. So it kind of starts out with a bang. It's a um, fun. It's a really fun opening that I was hooked immediately. Yeah. Give me, some, give me some airship battles and some like bad people doing bad things or seemingly bad people doing bad things. And especially a good guy conflicted about the bad things he's doing. I'm into that. Yeah, it's it reminds me of seven in that it opens with this like kind of mission and you're not exactly sure the context of why things are happening, um, but you just know it's intense. So uh, back at Baron. Um, see, Cecil doesn't really understand his orders, why he's being asked to kill people and to collect these crystals. So he asks the king. The king is not taking any criticism or questions. The king is acting not very much like himself, uh, which we'll get to later. He strips Cecil of his rank, um, but Cecil's best friend, Kane, who is a dragoon, jumps in to his defense. You get <laughs> uh, it? I get it. Does everyone else get it? We'll pause uh, and see if people get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> Kane's last name is Highwind. Kane Highwind. Classic all, uh, Final Fantasy last name right there. Yes. All of the characters have full first and last names, uh, which I did not write down. This is the only one that stupid. I paid attention to. Yeah, they're generally um, stupid. I like I mean, I like the last name Highwind. Uh, it's usually Sid Highwind, right? It is. Um, Cecil or Cecil is Cecil Harvey, which I think is very stupid. That's a stupid name. I wish yeah. I didn't know it. Um, as a result, the king orders Kane and Cecil to deliver a package to the town of the Summoner's Mist Village. 
Before uh, the mission, Cecil is checked in on Byrosa, his girlfriend and white mage, and her dad, the engineer and inventor, Sid. This is this game, Sid. I like this, Sid. What do you think of this? I love this, Sid. This is like, I picture him as this like almost dwarf-like tiny guy with a big bushy beard. Yes. Yes. Love this guy. Um, They can both like tell that Cecil is troubled by something and presumably the massacre he's just taken part in at Mesidia. Yeah. So you leave, uh, you enter the overworld for the first time, and gameplay-wise, this is your first chance to go into the field and encounter random battles. Um, We should note that every character, like we said, has a class that you cannot change. Kane is a Dragoon. Each character's class has specific commands that go with it that make them unique. So for Kane, it's the jump command. He can jump, not take damage for a few turns, before dropping back down onto an enemy for large amounts of damage. Cecil has the Dark Command, which lets him sacrifice his HP to send a damaging wave against all enemies. Um, Interestingly, Dark was taken out of the original uh, Final Fantasy II version of the game Hmm. because they thought, well, they changed a lot of things, but they thought the game would be too difficult. Partially, they thought like American gamers wouldn't understand why using this attack would take away your health. (laughs) I actually was confused at first. I was like, why am I losing health? I like almost died. I wasn't paying attention to my own health. I was just like, I'm just going to. Mash well you're one attack. of the you're the, the one of the dumb americans they had to change the game for or maybe they just thought like it didn't make sense why that would happen i like i like the idea of have, using summoning your own like use sacrificing a little bit of your own essence to use the dark command that's cool agreed yeah. yeah um but yeah so you make your way to the cave of mist tell us about our first dungeon it is like a one room dungeon Super easy. So one of the things I'll mention is that there are a lot of there's a lot of uh, um, repetitive uh, aesthetic in this game, which is a is a problem with a lot of older games, I'll admit. And so I'm trying not to hold it against it too much, but you're going to see this kind of like room a lot for the most part. And every once in a while, it'll be mixed up with like waterfalls or something and bridges. But like it's kind of you see it a lot. Also, uh, this game is not afraid to reuse dungeons or like as you yeah. said dungeon assets so yeah it gets you're in a lot of caves yeah so the the boss of this dungeon is the mist dragon um it is this it's this neat looking dragon that can kind of alternate between this like dragon looking form but also like a mist form um when you when the dragon is in mist form um it'll counter attack you pretty badly so you want to not be attacking you kind of want to just wait until it enters the dragon form again um and Basically, the strategy here is just to jump, jump, jump. I mean, anytime Kane is in your party, you just jump. That's yeah. like all I did. <laughs> um, a couple of things with this. Uh, one, so that trick of kind of changing forms and not attacking during that form uh, is a trick that Final Fantasy IV uses for a lot of bosses. Um, I think yes. that was new. I don't really remember this from old Final Fantasies. Maybe three a little bit. Um, but the second thing is plot wise, uh, as we'll get to in a second, why this is a bad thing. Uh, the mist dragon is actually the guardian of the summoner's village. It is itself a summon monster. Yes. Uh, So by killing it, you are taking away the village's protection. Yes. And also I think you're arguably killing the summoner, aren't you? Oh yeah, that's true. I think, I think you do. So, so you finish this dungeon, you go to the, to back to the village of, uh, or you go to the village of mist. Uh, and the moment you enter, you are quickly <laughs> realize that you've been used. Uh, the bomb ring that you were given starts glowing and release all these bomb classic Final Fantasy bomb creatures everywhere, which burn the village to the ground. The only survivor is a little girl who t- claims that you killed her mom, who was the Mist Dragon, or yep, at least who was controlling the Mist Dragon. Um, Cecil wants to take her with, uh, but in anger, 
she summons Titan, uh, which uh, an Earth creature, which causes an earthquake that separates you and her from Mist and from Kane, who is still in Mist. Um, the girl is injured, and so Cecil takes her then to Kaipo, Oasis of the Desert. Um, she, I think at this point, she tells you her name is, oh no, she doesn't tell you yet. But they, her, Cecil and the girl rest for the night, um, and, and during the night they're attacked by these barren so- soldiers. Uh, Cecil fights them off. And now that she's healed, she trusts you a little bit more and tells you your name is Rydia. And when you explore the town, you find that Rosa followed you all the way there, but for some reason has fall, like fallen really feverish and ill. I don't remember if they explain why. They literally, I think they just say she has sand fever or something stupid. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, it's You learn that you need the sand ruby from the Antilion cave. That's how you say it, right? Antelion? There's a there's a lot of moments in the plot where it's like, oh, you need the magical thing from this place. Go get it. That's basically 75% of yeah. the game. And I say yeah. that with love. Yes. It's silly, though. Um, First, you need to go to the town of, and I don't know how to say this town. It, I say Damsian. Damsian? Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Um, So you depart with Cecil and Rydia, and you head to the underground waterway nearby, which is a multi-level dungeon. I only say that because it's more than one room. <laughs> um, and this is kind of a characterization. Of like This is a description of so many of the dungeons in the game. Multi-levels, one particular aesthetic. Every once in a while, the aesthetic changes. And I will say I gravely, uh, greatly appreciate it when it does. Um, many secret passages. And you can usually tell where they are by just kind of hugging the wall. If you see, like, in the distance, a treasure chest in a room you can't get to, most likely there's a, you know, a path yeah. that can, secret passage that takes you there. Um, Notably, yeah. also in this game, it is worth hunting down all the treasure chests because you can often find really good equipment that you yes. can't buy elsewhere. Yes, and that's why I, I, I err towards the side of completionism in these games. And this is why, like, again, if I miss something, I am turning off random encounters and I'm going back to the, get that treasure chest. Yeah. And usually, oftentimes it's like mail or um, like chain mail or, you know, okay, good armor, good weapons. Yeah. Um. So... A lot of water theme enemies because, you know, waterway. Uh, and here is where you meet Tella, who will join your party when you talk to him because he also needs to go to the Damsian castle to find his daughter, Anna, who eloped with, was it Edward? Edward, yes. Edward, yeah. I don't think you know um, his name yet. But. Should we camp on Tella, talk about him gameplay-wise? Because I think he's kind of interesting. Yeah, go ahead. So Tella is a mage. He's kind of your first dedicated mage. Rydia can use magic, but her MP pool is very small. Um, Tella is the first mage you get that has a large MP pool, but he has forgotten a lot of his magic. I picture um, him as like 95 years old. Yes. I, don't, uh, I don't know if that's yes. true or. Um, and he has the recall ability, which gives him the chance to recall powerful magic um, at obviously a high MP cost. I think this is really cool. I think the idea of giving you a really powerful mage at this point in the story is interesting, but handicapping him like this so you can't just stomp everyone um, is a really good idea. Yeah, it's kind of tantalizing you. It kind of shows you like, oh, look, these greater spells exist. You won't be able to use them regularly for a while yet, though. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, once you leave Attila, so he joins your party. He's, one of the, he's like the one of the first members that joins your party that eventually leaves. Um, we'll explain how. I think Rydia, I mean, Rydia does too, I guess. But like yeah. Rydia is like, there are like, there are party members that come and go that are like, I would call like your core party. And there are others that, I would say are not and like tell us not Rydia is. Yeah. There's a core of five 
but you yeah. gain access to many more than five. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you make your way to the subterranean lake, which is not really a lake. It's like a cliffside. <laughs> There's just waterfalls <laughs> going down it. Um, a lot of similar enemies is in the waterway. And the boss is Octomammoth, which is just this giant octopus that's weak to lightning because water. <laughs> He's got multiple arms. He's got multiple targets. As octopuses just... are one to have. Yeah. Yeah. Just fry him with lightning. Fry him. Um, so we get the crew arriving to the kingdom of Dantian. Um, only they are there to see it sacked by Baron's red wings. So Baron has arrived before they do to secure the crystal. They head into the castle to find Anna, Tella's daughter, uh, with the man she eloped with, King Edward of Dampsian. Anna dies in Edward's arms, which triggers a rage in Tella. So we get another one of these story-driven battles. This is between Tella and Edward. Uh, you can't control anything, and it'll resolve on its own. There's a very famous line from Final Fantasy IV that comes from this encounter, uh, where Tella calls Edward a spoony bard. <laughs> I love it. Um, that is only in some versions. Was that in the Pixel remaster? I can't I, I didn't go back and check, but I did watch. I go back and like checked like the scene again when I saw you had this in the outline, and I just I, I whatever I was watching on YouTube had it, but it wasn't the Pixel remaster. So I I don't know. I I don't remember because when I was playing this, I wasn't taking notes at this point in the game because we hadn't decided to do it yeah. for the show yet. I'm just curious because I know in certain versions that line has been removed uh, because it sounds very cheesy, but I think at this point it's just part of the game. Yeah. I like uh, lines like this. I also like lines when someone calls someone like a cur. Yeah. I think that's what I think that's in like Dragon Quest eight. A um, cur is good. Say things like gore blimey. Gore blimey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get Edward deciding to join you in your quest to save Rosa and he gives you access to his hovercraft. He's probably my least favorite temporary party member in the game maybe with one exception yeah we can talk about him now so he has access to the hide command uh which is basically like jump only instead of doing damage he just goes away yeah um also his harps inflict status effects that's kind of their like thing why you would use them um also harps don't calculate damage by attack or strength uh, I can't remember how it's calculated, I but know. I think it's through like speed or magic. So uh, his strength is very low, but the harps do like, okay damage. Yeah. Um, with the hovercraft, you can travel over shallow rocks. So you have access to different parts of the world map. This continues a Final Fantasy trend that, you know, five has six has where you get like increasingly useful vehicles, but it's not until much later in the game where you get like an Ur vehicle that can kind of travel everywhere. Yeah. You got to kind of have to use like chocobos or yeah. you're just kind of shit out of luck. Um, at this point, Tella leaves the party. He learned that the attack on Dampsian was the responsibility of a guy named Golbez, who is the new leader of the Red Wings. So yep. Tella leaves to seek revenge. We will definitely be seeing more of Golbez later. Yeah. Um, the mechanics of like how Golbez shows up on the scene and kind of takes control of the Red Wings are not really clearly described. Um, but just all of a sudden, no, there's this new big bad named Golbez. I was like confused at this point. I was like, did we see Golbez at the beginning? Is he like, no. like, yeah, he, he right. He's You're just, just like, told, like, there's this guy Golbez now. Yeah. But, yeah. And so I'm, I was really annoyed with that. Uh, well, not, I mean, you know, not really it's, annoyed. It was just like a weird way to introduce like the bad guy. It just seems strange knowing what, you know, learn about him later that they don't like connect his past to when he's introduced you know what i mean yeah, like yeah he he definitely has a past and an origin so it just seems strange that they don't tie his first appearance to that but yeah 
Um, you can go to Mount Hobbs right now if you would like with the um, hovercraft, but there's nothing to do there yet, and it is blocked by ice. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to head to the Antlion's Den. Um, pretty straightforward uh, dungeon, sandy, uh, hidden passages, you know, all the things we said before. We're not going to park very long on no. a lot of these dungeons. There are a couple, though, that I do want to talk about. They're mostly near the end. Yeah. Um, so the boss is the Antlion. Uh, I do like his sprite. He looks both menacing and very goofy. Um, he's got like a really big head and big eyes. Yeah. Um, he has a powerful counterattack to regular attacks. Um, but unlike the Mist Dragon, there's no like safe time to attack. So Rydia should have access to the Chocobo Summon. Um, and Edward should be using items to heal and you should be fine. Yeah. And that's the outline. So you get the Sand Ruby. Return to Kaipo. Rosa is cured. After meeting everyone else in the party, she decides to join you guys. Uh, she tells everyone that Baron is planning to attack the nation of Fable to get its crystal, um, and the team want to stop them before that happens. That night, Edward will have a vision of Anna. Um, it's actually like a monster that he battles. It's a saga hen. Um, mm. So you battle the monster, and Edward gets a brief goodbye from Anna's ghost. So Edgar kind of gets, or Edward gets his story wrapped up a little bit there. Um, and then we're on to Mount Hobbs. So Rosa on the field of battle, um, she has access to the prey command, which can heal the party for a small amount free of an MP charge. Do you ever use prey? Never. No, never. never. There's no point. It's negligible. Even a basic cure spell cures for more than this. I think it would be great if prey like, like cured random amounts, because when Rosa's silence during boss battles, that would be like a great Hail Mary to throw out there. But it's basically useless. Um, slightly less useless is the fact that she uses bow and arrows, which are effective against flying enemies, and holy arrows are effective against um, certain enemies later in the game. Mm-hmm. So um, we get to Mount Hobbs. We get this moment with Rydia. Um, Rydia, we hadn't mentioned before, but she has this terrible fear of fire because of what happened with the bombs in her village. So she has not learned the fire spell. Makes sense. I like that. That's it's a cool way of explaining. Because I, I actually was wondering before this, like, why doesn't she have fire? Well, and I like that just like Tella, there's kind of a story reason for her gameplay abilities. Like, just like Tella can't remember all of his spells, um, Rydia is afraid of fire. It's really cool. cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, so she melts the ice blocks and the party is able to access Mount Hobbs to get to Fable. So near the top of the mountain, we see a warrior monk, Yang, engaged in battle. So we start another story scripted battle with Yang. After the scripted battle, Yang joins you for a boss fight with Mom Bomb. Uh, This is the first time in the game where you fight with a full party of five, which I think is exciting. Yeah. Um, And then we get to Mom Bomb. Mom Bomb, pretty simple boss fight. Um, She begins as one monster, but eventually explodes into six. When uh, the game warns you that Mom Bomb will explode, you want to switch all your characters to defend. Um, They should survive if you're defending. And then Yang's ability is kick, um, which lets him damage all enemies at once. I basically Um, use kick like all the time. Yeah, if you spam kick, you should take these guys out pretty quickly. Kick is useful. It doesn't do quite as much damage as like one full regular attack, but you're spreading damage out amongst all enemies. So pretty useful. Yeah, yeah. So after this boss fight, uh, Yang joins you and you make your way to Fable Castle. While there, you're asked to defend the castle from the Red Wing invasion. Um, However, you only get to use Cecil, Edward, and Yang. The ladies (laughs) sit this one out, which I think Uh, is kind of interesting. eh. Sexism, I guess. It's like, it was noticeable 
it was so like it was so noticeable because they were literally just helping you out like why isn't why is this task too hard when you're just destroying monsters with them before edward is useless like give me rosa or he's awful over yeah yeah he sucks yeah yep i think he was a joe character at first no, I mean, he's what's really mind blowing is that in the DS version, when you can like build your own party at the end, like you could potentially take Edward with you into the final dungeon. But why you would you? <laughs> I, I don't know, but you could. Yeah. Um. So take on waves and waves of enemies until a certain person arrives, our old friend Kane. Um, there's a scripted battle between Cecil and Kane that we are not meant to win. Um, Kane is definitely on the forces of good or good forces of bad right now. Uh, Rosa seems to get through to Kane a little bit. Um, there's like this kind of love triangle that the game sets up between Cecil, Rosa, and Kane. I find it very eye rolly. It's one of the story elements that doesn't work to me. I find it interesting it. that you said that. I didn't get that at all. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just did. That's just not how. That, that's not the the vibe I got. I think I just got it as like she's in. She's only into Cecil and. She just has like she wants what's best for Kane and is just like looking out for him. It seems very platonic to me. I agree with all that, but I think that Kane likes Rosa. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I guess it's not super clear. I think because of the level of melodrama in this game in general, I'm maybe I'm reading too much. We, we just into had it. different head canon, I guess. Yeah. 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 No, no, I don't know if I don't think you're like misreading it or anything. I, I you know, I get it. Yeah. Um, so Rosa is able to get through a bit to Kane. However, next Golbez shows up in the flesh, ordering Kane to steal the crystal. Um, Kane does. However, Golbez also kidnaps Rosa before he leaves. So a lot of bad guy energy here. Yep. Hot on pursuit. He's a bad guy. Hot on pursuit. The crew board a ship and take to the high seas. Um, except this is Final Fantasy IV, so nothing can ever go as planned. So a monster, the Leviathan, attacks the ship sinking it and sending the party members scattered about the world. Very cool. Um, I, I like when I like when Final Fantasy games scatter your party members. I'm a yes. fan whenever that happens. And I like uh, we'll get to Leviathan again. This is not the last time we'll see him. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. So Cecil wakes uh, by himself uh, near a town of uh, Mysidia. You might remember that because that's the town that he helped destroy Oops. Um, uh, or helped attack it, at least. Uh, so it turns out the people there don't like you very much um given what you did um what's very interesting is that the if you talk to the pub owner he will poison you if you talk to the dancer which i did because i was talking to because a lot of these towns have the same looking bars and there's like a dancer that will dance and uh a guy naming way i think his name is who will offer to rename any of your characters which is like annoying that he's in every single town it's like, no, I'm still not naming my characters anything different, but I haven't changed my mind about that. You don't want to change Cecil to Butthead? No, I don't. <laughs> um, but the dancer will put you to sleep and leave you out back in pig form, which is very funny. Uh, that did happen to me uh, by accident. Um, so when Cecil in normal form talks to the elder um, of the village, he tells him that in order to beat Golbez, he will have to climb ma- <laughs> Mount Ordeals. Mount Character or, transformation. Yes, I love Mount Ordeals. It's so funny. Yes. It's, it's like going at like Mount Quest. Yes, basically. <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, to, to, and so he, he'll, in doing so, he will become a paladin. He will shed his darkness and become a paladin. Um, as he heads out to leave, Cecil is joined by these two child mages, Palin and Porum. 
I will say at this point, that was when I was like, okay, so they're clearly going to be doing a lot of like party members come and go. And I was like, because I did not know about the party member thing. I was really only used to six. And I was like, there better not be eight or more freaking characters in this game <laughs> to choose from. So that clearly that explains the kind of Final Fantasy games I like to play. Um, but we get to Mount, Orde- Mount Ordeals. It's just it's funny every time I read it. Um, this was where I would say there was a very noticeable difficulty spike. Did you do you have that same feeling or do you think it happens earlier? I think, um, yeah, I would say definitely here. Um, yeah, it's hard to say just because I played this so many times and I played where like I've grinded a lot before this point or yeah, I haven't and I did grind here. before this. So, point. yeah, it's just the game will kind of find you. Um, whenever you haven't been grinding a lot or yeah. if you don't have, you know, times two or times four experience. Um, I would say also a big difficulty spike, the magnetic cave. Oh my um, gosh. Because yeah. of the equipment we'll, we'll get stuff to you have to do with that. Also big spike. Big time. Um, so there's this wall fire that blocks your way and Palin uses blizzard on it to get rid of it. And um, then there was a very brief cutscene, like cutting away to what Golbez, Kane and Rosa are up to. So Golbez is just like monologuing. Um, he knows that you're trying to become a paladin and he sends the Earth Demon, I don't know how to pronounce this, Scarmagloni? Scarmiglione. I think they all have Italian, yeah. they all have Italian names. Uh, he sends Scarmiglione after you. Um, so Scarmiglione, I think is it's he's the first, right, of the four yes. elemental. Um, they're called like archfiends or um, or like demons, like elemental demons. Elemental fiends. Whatever. Yeah. Elemental fiends after you. Um, he's the one of Earth. Um, and you run into Tella, of all people. He is looking uh, for the spell Meteor, because he has his own ordeals. Oh, yeah. um, he's trying to use the, the spell Meteor to defeat Golbez. Now, the spell Meteor is a recurring thing in Final Fantasy games, which I actually find very annoying. Uh, I, I'm sorry, when I, I, I make that sound like I'm like deeply upset by it and I can't stand it. It's not true. I'm just like... It, when I when it's it's recurring and it's like oh we need the spell meteor we need meteor like meteor is the answer like I'm just like can you just come up with something else does it have well, to be one of those recurring things I don't know maybe also, I'm bothered too much by it no I I would think it'd be cooler if it was like the Ultima spell yeah um, which is presumably like the ultimate attack spell but meteor to me like Final Fantasy VII conceptually meteor makes sense because of what they're trying to do to the planet but what about a giant space rock is any more effective against Golbez mm-hmm. in this game than like a bolt of lightning? Well, we'll find it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so in, in this, in the Mount, Orde- Mount of Ordeals or Mount Ordeals, whatever, you fight the Italian guys, Carbiglione, uh, a couple times. First time he has these like little like skull skeleton enemies or whatever, like skull nonce or skull. I don't know. Um, the second form is his true form. Um and he was cloaked before, but now he like looks like this creepy demon with like a zombie face and these like horn like protrusions. Um, the uh, this I would say the sprite work for all the elemental fiends pretty great. Like their yeah. designs across the board, I think all four look good. Totally agree. And there are other bosses in this game, uh, enemies too, mostly bosses. Um, some recurring uh, in Final Fantasy games that have really awesome designs. Yeah, uh, we'll get to those. Um, so when you beat him, then you like get to the actual boss. Well, sort of. Cecil's shadow. Yeah. Now, tell us about. This. Yeah. So the goal of this is to not do anything and you will win the fight. Um, and the dialogue, there's like this like dialogue that like, or these tech, the text box ab- ab- above, like, I forgot what it says, like something like, sh- like sheath your sword or whatever is trying to tell you not to do anything. This took me a couple tries. Um, 
I think initially, I went, by the time I realized you weren't supposed to do anything, I thought it didn't matter once you stopped doing something as long as you stopped. But you had to do you have to go into the battle and not do anything the entire battle. So if you attack once, I think it ruins it. Little like eight, nine year old Aaron definitely did not know that when he was playing this on emulation and had to search the wilds in the Internet to figure out what to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 neat. Um, and by beating Cecil's Shadow, you become a paladin. You now have a different sword, and you can use white magic. Um, Antella learns meteor. So good. Yeah, for we should we should clarify that. Um, besides covering injured party members and using like Cura and Curaga, Cecil doesn't really change. I don't like, think Cecil not can a... even use Curaga for a while. I think or for a long, long. He, time, he, he was but... very limited on his white magic. Yeah, basically, he just covers people and you'll use Cura with him occasionally. But or like Asuna. Yeah, or Asuna. He doesn't really change that much, which is also kind of a bummer. I, I He changed enough. I think I was okay with it. Um, By this point, I wasn't using Dark anyway, so yeah. it's not like I missed it. Um, So you head back to Mesidia, where the Elder will unlock a building that will warp you back to Baron. Yeah, is this the, um like, Demon's Way or whatever? Yeah, okay. I think so. I forgot to put it in the outline, but it's just a dungeon. Uh, it's a teleporter dungeon. It sucks. Yeah, it's um, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So you get back to Baron. Back at the Baron pub, the crew will run into Yang, um, who's lost his memories and is being manipulated by Golbez. So you have a fight with Yang to bring him back to his senses, and he rejoins the party and gives you the Baron key. This lets you access various locked doors in Baron, um, so you can like go in the shops, you can talk to people, people will give you items, and you can kind of get a, a sense for what's going on in the town. People are noting that there's something wrong in the kingdom and with the king. So using the old Baron key, you enter the old waterway. Make your way into Baron Castle through this dungeon. It's an old waterway. When you arrive at the castle, the king's advisor, Bygan, Bygan, joins your party. So yay, we get a little, Bygan has joined the party. And when this happened, I was like, that's not possible because I already have five people. Yeah. Um, but wait, it's a trick. Uh, Bygan is actually a monster. Um, he attacks you and he is a boss. Yep. So you have three targets. You have Bygan, uh, his body and his two arms. The arms cause the majority of the damage um, and they can be permanently killed, but only if the body is dead. So if you pick off the arms first, they will regenerate. So you want to kill the body. He's resistant to elemental magic and he will cast reflect on himself. So you can either bounce spells off your own party or dispel reflect um, and probably not use magic anyway. Just hammer him with Cecil and Yang. Yep. And that'll be it. Yep. The party gets to the throne room to be greeted by King Baron, um, except it's not King Baron. We know something is up with the king. He has been an imposter uh, this whole time. He is actually Cagnazzo, fiend of water and servant to Golbez. I wish all of these um, Italian named mages were just like Italian people. Deeply Italian stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> like Cacnazzo is just a guy twirling like a pizza crust. Yeah. Um, no, he's actually like this very cool looking blue turtle kappa type demon. Uh, he gathers water around himself like to make a barrier um, and he eventually will cast Tsunami. So you want to use ice magic to break the water barrier. And then as a follow-up, use thunder magic. Which is not that. intuitive. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Um, thunder magic is intuitive, but using ice magic to break the water barrier, not intuitive. Yeah. He eventually will go into his shell and start healing himself. Um, doesn't really matter because it's almost over at this point. Keep up the pressure and he will go down. So after the battle, 
Sid enters and suggests the group escapes on airship, his airship, the Enterprise. However, as one last fuck you, Kaknazzo collapses the walls around the party. So before the party can be crushed, uh, Palum and Porum turn themselves into stone to stop the advancing walls, sacrificing themselves. And this is how they leave the party. Yep. Uh, what did you think about this? I liked this. I, I was like, so, uh, look, I, I guess I'll save it. There's something that I don't like about this, but I it's something that happens later. Okay. Um, where some some of these some of these sacrifices, I guess, lose a little bit of their impact. Oh, you mean all of that. them? You mean all the sacrifices? Yeah, literally, lose all of their impact. literally all of them. Um, yeah. but I like this a lot when I thought they were dead. Spoiler alert: they're not dead. I'll just say it out loud: they're not dead. Um, which really just takes the all of like the coolness out of all the sacrifices in the game. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, but the crew make it to the Enterprise and escape just in the nick of time. However, they're boarded by Kane, and he tells the party that they're willing to trade Rosa for the Earth Crystal. So this is like classic villains getting the heroes to do their dirty work for them. Um, Kane and Golbez await in the Tower of Zot with Rosa. So now that you have the airship, you can do a few things. You can visit some old and new towns. Some places have updated shop inventories. You can head to Avalon Castle if you want, um, but it's kind of pretty difficult at this point. You can run through for items, yeah. um, but the enemies might be a little too difficult for you. Some of them were. I think I went to Avalon Castle and I got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no reason besides unless you want to pick up some items. We'll get to Avalon Castle later. There's a lot of items there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So back on mission, we need to go to Troya. With the airship, we can make our way to the Forest Kingdom of Troya, um, except... That the party runs into Edward, who is recovering from the shipwreck. This is where Edward wound up. Wish he would have died. <laughs> I know, right? Um, unfortunately for Troya, they've got a dark elf in the mix. You know, some cities have dark elves. Some don't. Yeah, Chicago doesn't have one, fortunately. Chicago does not have a dark elf. St. Louis, famous for its dark elf. <laughs> um, the dark elf have stolen the earth crystal, so we have to get it back. Yay. Um, Edward gives you the twin harp to help get the crystal back. So you need to go to the magnetic cave to get there. You need to find the black chocobo forest and fly one to the cave. This is the only time you have to use a chocobo to get anywhere. Like specifically, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think it's a little weird, um, but it's yet another way to kind of gate off the world map. Yeah. This dungeon is particularly annoying. We mentioned it earlier. Very much so. Um, because of its magnetic nature, any metal equipment on any of the characters will paralyze them. Um, it's a so really cool gimmick in like it, theory. It's conceptually interesting conceptually for sure. I just wish the game did more to like prepare you for it. Yeah. So you're going to want to give Cecil a bow and holy arrows. He can't use the swords. You want to have Sid use his wooden hammer. And I do think that I found out the hard way that it's either the boss or some enemy you run into does pig status a lot. And so I ended up like having like two ruby rings. So I started, I like died and I like put the ruby rings. I like I loaded my save file and I put the ruby rings on my guys. Yeah. So this dungeon has you kind of switching up how you play a little bit. I didn't give Cecil a bow, actually. I think I he had, there was like a, a non-magnetic weapon I gave him, but he was all, he was pretty weak. He's pretty weak. He's good with the bow because um, the Dark Elf, the boss we get to. Oh, wait, I did we'll give him a bow. Now. Never mind. Yeah. Um, the Dark Elf and the Dark Dragon are weak to holy. So giving Cecil and Rosa <laughs> holy arrows is a good idea for this fight. Yeah. Um, but we fight the Dark Elf. Pretty easy fight. He transforms into the Dark Dragon when you beat him the first time. 
Um, he has pretty high HP, but uh, basically Edward plays the um, the what is it? Twin harp um, yeah. to disrupt the dark elf, dark dragon. Um, we beat him and we get the earth crystal. Yep. So with the earth crystal crystal in hand, the party goes to the Tower of Zot to exchange it for Rosa's safety. Yeah. So you get on your airship. Kane shows up in his airship and is like, follow me. You get to the Tower of Zot. Um, the, so the Tower of Zot, this is a, it's a different aesthetic than the rest of the stuff we've been exploring so far. But for some reason, it didn't like do it for me. I was I was thankful for the different aesthetic, but I was also like, this is kind of like repetitive. Well, I, was, also, I, I, kept, I guess I kept thinking like Chrono Trigger and like Final Fantasy VI do this kind of thing better. They do. And also there's no like explanation for the origin of either the Tower of Zot or the Tower of Babel. I thought I missed that explanation. No, and there's I none. Did, I, I did not. Yeah, there's no like, why is this weird techno future tower in this world? It doesn't make sense. But yeah. I, I, I kind of like it. But I, I kind of like it, too. But I was a little like yawn with the aesthetic i guess um it's one this is one of the only dungeons you can't revisit to get things you missed um which i'm glad i had a guide for um to tell me that um but this is probably the most maze-like in the game um this is where i really abused turning random battles off because i kept missing things and there are a lot this is also i don't know if it's the first time you see monsters guarding treasure chests but it's like there's a lot of those in here um but you climb the tower and you will run into golbez and you will fight the Maga sisters uh, or Mage sisters, Sandy, yeah. Cindy and Mindy. Haha, I guess. Um, um, recurring enemy in the series. Oh, really? Yeah, the Mega sisters. Um, they're a summon in Final Fantasy X. Um, oh, that's right. Of course. They're, yeah, they're they're a boss. Oh, man. In... I am a Final Fantasy novice. I forgot that. Yeah. And then I think they're a boss in at least one of the other games. I love that, man. I yeah. Thanks for reminding me. I can't believe I forgot that. Um, I took out Cindy first because she casts Reflect. Um, so I beat her ass down. Uh, she, I think she also has the most HP. Um, so... Once you reach the summit of the tower, Golbez and Kane will be waiting for you. Uh, Cecil will give Golbez the Earth Crystal in exchange for Rosa. But wow, Golbez decides he's not going to fulfill his end of the deal. What? Who could have seen that coming? That's crazy. Um, Tella shows up, attacks Golbez, and uses Meteor, which does 9,999 damage on him, um, which seems to kill Golbez and well, also kills clearly, Tella. Tella did not unlock his ultimate weapon to break yeah. the 9,999 damage Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, but Golbez seems to die, um, which I actually thought he might, for a second, I thought maybe he did um, because of what Final Fantasy games do, where they often just switch the threat on you. But then I realized it's too early for them to do that. They need to do it last minute. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, which So Golbez's defeat will break his spell over Kane you think permanently, but not um, who will then take you to Rosa. So Kane and Rosa will then join your party and you will be attacked by another one of the fiends, the Lord of wind bar Barbariccia Barbariccia, yes. who is like a naked woman. Yes. Now she's just like this almost naked sorceress um, uh, that will go inside a tornado during the battle. And when you, she does that, you don't want to attack, but you can use Kane to jump on her head, which will knock her out of the tornado form. Yes. Um, so the tower starts crumbling, and so Rosa will temp- teleport everyone out uh, to Baron. And at Baron, Kane tells you that Golbez's plan is to obtain the four dark crystals from the underworld. 
so we can reach the moon. And at this point, I was like, that's cool. Underworld? I was very, I, I was like, I've actually, it hit me right before that moment. I was like, I've actually explored most of this map. What are they going to do? And I think the same thing happened to me in Final Fantasy VI. And then you're just like, oh, then the planet gets destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you could reach, and this is also kind of a point where you're like, okay, I think maybe I'm at the halfway point of the game now. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, you might, maybe. You might actually maybe, be maybe further. Yeah, you might be a little bit further at this point because the underworld is a lot faster than I thought. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he wants the the four dark crystals so we can reach the moon. Um. So Kane will give you the magma rock, which lets you enter for the enter the underworld. Um. And you can go to Miss now, get some new items and stuff. A lot of these times at these big story beats, you can go explore towns and get new items. Um. You go to the town of Agart, which has a well. Um, that you throw the magma rock in, which causes this huge eruption that reveals the entrance to the underworld. This like hole appears on the overworld, and you can kind of go in it, which will take you to the underworld, which is just basically like looks like the overworld, but instead of water, it's like lava. Not exactly the same. It's different. The map's a little bit different. Um, so yeah, so you take your airship, you land in that hole that has appeared, and you are now in the underworld. Yeah, so we're on a new map. We have our underworld overworld map. Um, the party uh, winds up in a battle between the dwarves of the underworld and the Red Wings, crashing near the dwarven castle. So we make King Giat, Giat. I don't, I don't know what you say. I think King, I said Giat, but it's, it's probably Giat. I don't know. Who cares? King Giat says yeah. the crystal is safe, um, and the party finds the Calcabrina dolls belonging to Princess Luca are possessed. So we jump right into a boss battle with dolls Calcabrina and Calcabrina. So it's pretty simple. It's a group of dolls that combine into a larger doll. Um, so you basically just hit it with your strongest attacks. It'll go down. There's a note about this that if you don't defeat each of the individual Kalka and Brina dolls, you cannot complete your bestiary for the game. If that's mm. something you care about. I do I not. I do yeah. not. I might have if there was a trophy for it, which there probably is. Um, after they defeat the dolls, Golbez arrives and incapacitates them, again mentioning that he wants to open a pathway to the moon. So this is an actual boss encounter. We're able to fight. Um, pretty simple. Have Kane jump. Uh, even if someone dies, it's just better off to keep the pressure up. Um, and he and his shadow dragon goes down pretty quickly. Um, Story-wise, though, before Golbez can finish them off, Rydia returns and saves them, having aged to adulthood and gained new summons in the Fame Arch. Uh, the realm of the Eidolons, where time flows faster. Um, why that is, they don't really explain. This um, was so confusing to me. I think I might have, I must admit, I might not might not have been paying attention to the dialogue during this scene. Because later when I think there's some reference to her being older now, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought she was not, a ch- I thought she was a child. <laughs> it's not like well explained. It's said in very little dialogue, but she after the shipwrecked. She found herself in the Fame Arch, which apparently is in the underworld, where time moves differently, apparently, and she grew up there. And now Rydia yeah. is an adult. Um, yes. So, uh, Golbez uses the last of his strength to steal the crystal and escape. So we have to go after him to the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, very similar to Tower of Zot. It's like this techno fortress. Um, there's really, again, no explanation why it's here. Why are there these big techno towers? I don't know. And it's a little similar. It's it's like it's like the Tower of Zot isn't necessarily like know, there's just there's a little bit of a similar aesthetic. It's very similar. It's yeah. very similar. So you get to the top and you find Dr. Luge and his creation Barnabas. Um, so you fight them. Dr. Luge can heal poison and put the party to sleep. 
Um, Barnabas does most of the damage. When Barnabas goes down, he's re- revived as Barnabas Z. Um, keep up the pressure and he goes down too. Yeah. Use his key to gain access to the cannon rooms, um, disabling them. However, there's one last cannon that needs to be taken down and our boy Yang sacrifices himself to do so. Yep. Very noble. On the way out, Golbez catches them escaping, and who else should also heroically sacrifice himself but Sid? Um, Sid also sacrifices himself by Yang and Sid so the party <laughs> can get away. They both live, spoiler alert, but Sid, how, yeah. like how? How does Sid survive? I, I don't know, but here is like the point. Like right when Yang sacrificed, this was like my my um, my journey with this. So Yang sacrifices himself, and I'm like, ooh, three sacrifices right now. I'm into this. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I was, I guess I was bummed to lose Yang, but I also like really only care about like Cecil, Kane, Rydia and Rosa. So like anyone else is kind of whatever. I don't care. Um, so I would, but I was into that story wise and then Sid does it and I'm like, okay, I, I <laughs> guess I like that, but two back to back and then Kane has a hilarious line. I don't know if Square intended this to be dramatic or funny, but do you know the, the line I'm talking about? I don't. Knowing this game, it was probably meant to be dramatic. After but, Sid uh... sacrifices himself, Kane says, everyone chooses death too hastily. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm just like, it, it is a little comical <laughs> that everyone's like, you know what? I don't know if we're going to get out of this. I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> That is the go-to in this game. Like, if there's a problem, people are like, I guess I'll just kill myself. It is. It really... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess I'll sacrifice myself. And it's just like, dude, you don't have to. We'll be fine. Um, but I guess... So it really undercuts a little bit. Like, doing that, these back-to-back, these sacrifices, it, it, you know, and I, we don't know at this point that any of them are alive. So I was thinking, but I was just like, okay, wow. They are really killing off characters. Like, but yeah, that line really undercut any drama that these sacrifices might have had left yeah so anyway um so now uh we get the hook uh attached to who wait who fixes sit like the the dwarves add the hook oh right right that's right that's right uh sid adds another one still alive sid makes another modification um, so yeah, so you get a, a, a hook added to your hovercraft, uh, or sorry, added to your ship, um, which is used to pick up a hovercraft. They're really throwing a lot at you right now. Um, and what the point is you have to grab this hovercraft with the hook, and this is going back to the to the overworld, um, and use the hovercraft, bring it to Eblon Castle and enter the castle. The castle is deserted. I this was a major difficulty spike earlier in the game. Um, it wasn't as bad um, later. Um, there's these mad ogres that appear really large groups have a lot of HP and do a lot of damage. By the time I came back here, I think I was able to handle it. But if you try to do this earlier, um, which you can do a little bit to get some to loot some stuff, um, it's really hard. Um, so you explore the castle, you get and its towers, get some chests. Some are guarded by monsters. It looks like every other castle. You yeah. know, this is too many castles. Um, and when you're done, you take the hovercraft that you brought over there to these nearby rocks. Uh, it's the only way to get over these rocks to reach the cave of Eblon. And so the cave of Eblon is just this really short dungeon that leads to the Eblon settlement. This is where the people of Eblon fled to when they were attacked and driven out. Um, you will explore the rest of the cave of Eblon, which leads you back to the Tower of Babel. During that time, you will come across Edge. He is the ninja prince of Eblon. 
fighting fighting Rubicante, the Lord of Fire and the most powerful of Gobez's fiends. Oh, we have Edge fighting Rubicante. (laughs) Edge, uh, I'll just say right now, could not give any shits about him whatsoever. He is like, he is Yang, basically. Um, Have you seen Beer Fest? Uh, like a long time ago. Do you remember when Landfill dies and then the same actor plays his brother Gil yeah, shows yes, up and he's yes. just like, you know, I'd actually really like, uh, I actually taught Landfill everything he knows. So I already know all the things that he knows. <laughs> I'm really good at drinking beer. And also, could you call me Landfill? Landfill? And they're like, like, oh, I'd be like, let's like Landfill never left. <laughs> That's how I feel about Edge showing up for like Yang, like immediately um, after Yang leaves. He's supposed to be like the cool, aloof ninja character, but you get him too late and he is... He has like one story beat, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, they, so Rubicante fights Edge briefly. Uh. But uh, then Rubicante leaves. Edge joins your party, and you will exit the cave to head back to the Tower of Babel. Yeah. So Edge is able to get you into the Tower of Babel, um, and it's there that you will find Edge's parents, the King and Queen of Avalon. They've been mutated by Doctor Luge. Um, and there's a scripted battle where Edge kills them. It becomes the true heir to Ablon. And it's very sad. And they beg Edge to kill them. That's like it. That's Edge's story. And then his battle with Rubicante. Yeah. And Rubicante so, is, is, is I, I like this boss fight. Yeah, and it's he, a good boss fight. Yeah. So you run into him. Um, he has a sense of honor. He heals you before you fight. I like that they give Rubicante like a little bit more to do than the other elemental fiends. I agree. Um, in battle, when his cloak is closed, he'll heal himself and be resistant to attacks. When his cloak is open, he'll be aggressive and vulnerable. Um, you want to use uh, Rydia's Blazaga or Shiva. Um, again, you may not have Blazaga at this point. It's one of those things where, like, I hope you trained Rydia up to have Blazaga. Yeah, you don't. Wish I did. Yeah, wish you did. Um, but after that, he goes down. He is the last of the elemental fiends. So after this, you enter the crystal room where Golbez has been keeping all of the crystals, but a trapdoor opens and drops you to the underworld part of the tower. So uh, Tower of Babel extends both into the underworld and the overworld. You eventually make it to the airship hangar, but you can't fly over lava yet. So you head back down to the Dwarven Castle, talk to the king who gives you Luca's necklace and the key to the sealed cavern. Um, this is where uh, the last crystal is waiting. You go to the infirmary where you find Sid resting. He's alive. Yay. Um, he'll get out <laughs> of bed and fix the airship. It's funny. He like fixes it. He wakes up, fixes it, and then passes out immediately. Yeah. yeah. That explosion really took it out of him. Yes. He should um, be dead. The airship can travel over lava. Um, so things that you can do now, you can access the forge, um, which is the way to get Excalibur, Excalibur, the most powerful sword in the game. You oh, can't get it's it actually not, though. I think I, you're supposed to think it is because it's like the one you're doing the training game for. But I'm pretty sure you get a sword in the final dungeon that's more powerful. You probably I, do, thus, thus negating Excalibur entirely. But. Yeah, I could be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure I was like, what the fuck? Like, like why did I even get Excalibur? You can go to the Sylvan Cave um, and talk to Yang, um, who is alive. Yang's alive, too. Uh, you can beat him over the head with a frying pan from his wife, Sheila. Um, and then you can get the Sylph Summon, right? Is that where you get it? Uh, uh yes, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Um, not not necessarily, n- not necessarily. Sorry, not necessary at all. I've played this game without ever talking to Yang. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Oh, um, so in 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 that cave, I think it's in. Is it in the Sylph Cave? 
where do you fight there there's like a dungeon it's like the might be the only dungeon in the end in the game that has like the marlboros is it this um, one or is it on is that on the moon or <laughs> it might well, be on the moon wherever it is there is a dungeon that like you will have to fight like four of them that will show up in random encounters and they wrecked me is Doesn't that Bahamut's how, cave it might also happen there yeah. but i might have turned off random battles for half of that cave but it's it's gotcha. there, there's at least there might be a dungeon uh, on the moon that has that. So yeah, maybe it is. But either way, there's there is a dungeon in this game where there's these four Marlboros and they just that will show up not as a boss, just a random encounter and just destroy me. Yeah, the four Marlboros is too much. That's it's not, too much. And they're all casting like bad breath. It's like, how do, uh, do you get out of that? I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but we can go to the Cave of Summons or the Land of Summons, uh, or the Fey March, as it's called. This is where Rydia spent her childhood. The summons all there know her and remember her, and the party can challenge the king and queen of the Fey March, Ashura and Leviathan, respectively. This is a cool area. I don't I can't know, I don't know if I can describe the aesthetic. Is it like a not like a treetop village like vibe? Or maybe that is the kind of vibe. I don't know. It's it, almost it's, 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 it's like different this though. Weird, like organic, like webbed like ground like almost like a xenomorph nest but like brown <laughs> you know what i mean a little bit like that i guess yeah yeah uh i don't know either way i appreciated the, it's otherworldly i i appreciated the difference yeah. um so you can challenge ashura and leviathan um and once you beat them you gain them to be used as summons by radia so ashura um has three different heads that um go between three different healing spells um, you can cast Reflect on Ashura's head to bounce the healing spells towards the party. You can also try to silence Ashura if you can. Um, so this fight, pretty straightforward. Uh, as long as you make sure that Ashura is reflected, um, she can't heal herself, so you can take her down. Yeah. Um, Leviathan is much more difficult. So um, mainly because of the high HP. Um, it uses water and ice attacks. It's vulnerable to lightning magic. You want to use Rosa to keep everyone healthy and have Kane jump just so that there's a survivor in case everyone goes down. Um, and as a summon, Leviathan uses a tsunami attack to cause water damage to all enemies. Um, both useful. Um, Bahamut's definitely the most useful summon, but I got mileage out of Ashura and Leviathan as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's after you get these two that you can gain the Odin summon from Baron Castle. Did you get the Odin summon? I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, can so you can only I get the... If you when you run into it, it, there's a room in Baron Castle, like it's like an empty like side throne room. It's really weird. Um, and like I think there like a voice talks to you or like a vision of King Baron talks to you, and it's like, hey, you can only come here when you've like proven yourself. Yes. So after you've defeated Ashur and Leviathan, you can come back. Um, it's in the basement of the Eastern Tower of Baron Castle, and so you fight Odin. Uh, so just like a boss we're about to do, it's kind of a race against time. You have to do 20,000 damage to him um, before he wipes out your party in one move. Yeah. He's weak to lightning magic, and as a summon, he has the chance to wipe out the enemy party with Xantasuke. So after that, uh, story-wise, you can head to the Sealed Cavern to claim the last crystal. Um, the Sealed Cavern, basic-ass Final Fantasy IV dungeon. Looks the same as everything, but I did like these like these door monsters. You like, There's a lot of fake doors that you try to go into, and it will, you have to fight a, a monster every time you do it. Those are cool. They have a cool design. 
yeah, the boss here is also kind of cool. It's the demon wall. Um, this is a famous recurring boss battle. There's a demon wall in seven. Uh, there's demon walls in other Final Fantasies. Very cool uh, design here. It's like it's 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 kind of like this like Giger esque creature trapped in a wall, like reaching out from yeah. the wall. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, so the demon wall moves closer and closer to the party as the fight goes on. Uh, once it gets too close, it will crush them. You want to use Rosa to cast haste on the party. Um, Rydia using bio and Titan does good amounts of damage. I think bio, you can get the demon wall to be poisoned. Uh, after you defeat it, you reclaim the crystal and return to the entrance. Head back to the Dwarven castle once again. And the King will tell you about a ship called the lunar whale, which can be used to travel to the moon. I think a lunar whale is a cool design. I think the name lunar whale is incredibly stupid. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Sid shows up again and helps you get back to the overworld by attaching a drill to the airship. And we are off to Missidia. So you'll notice a, a theme. This happens in a lot of old Final Fantasies. Your modes of transport. You have like 30 modes of transport. And each one lets you like move over one slightly different terrain. Until at the end of the game when you just get a vehicle that lets you do everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we're basically like at the end game now. Um, yeah. This is really when the game kind of like speeds to a finish. Um, so back in Mysidio, when you arrive, the elder will bring you to a house where he will, he and all these other mages will start praying, which will raise the lunar whale up from the depths of the sea, which is cool. Um, you will board it uh, and you can head to the moon right now, but you can do a couple things first. You can get Excalibur now. There's a little bit of a training game um, to get it. Um, and the frying pan that you used to hit Yang earlier in the game, uh, you can give it back to Yang's wife, who will give you a knife. Uh, a throwing weapon that does like 9,999 damage. I did not do that. Uh, I must have missed that. Or my I think I've done it like or... once or twice. But... Yeah. yeah. Um, so you go to the moon and I guess just to describe the aesthetic, it just, it's a moon. <laughs> well, we should say it's it's its own new world over map. Yes, exactly. Um, so there's a couple things to do here. There's this thing called the Hummingway Home. There's really nothing to do there except like buy expensive shit. Um, there's like these, you can go to the other side of the, the map and there's these various paths and caves. And really the main goal where you're trying to go to is crystal palace. Um, here you meet, is it Fusoya? Fusoya? I say, I say Fusoya. Fusoya. I, Fusoya. I think that's probably it. Fusoya. Uh, he is a sage. He is a guardian of the luminarian slumber. Tell uh, us about the luminarian. So, okay. Uh, the, the luminarians are, I think they're, they're good people, right? Overall. But like there's one bad one or are they I, I, this is where so I'll, I'll just mention this is where the story starts getting weird and i was not 100 percent in on it so the luminarians basically this is like the plot of final fantasy 9 right yeah like the luminarians are slumbering because the moon is no longer habitable and they're waiting for a world oh, that's where right they can, they can live and so You'll go on about this character who plans to do this. Yeah. But um, yeah, the Luminarians are now in slumber waiting for a world that they can live on. Yeah. And you learn that Cecil's father was a Luminarian um, and this other Luminarian named Zemus, Zemus, Zemus plans to destroy the planet so the Luminarians can take over and is using Golbez as a puppet to summon a huge robot called the Giant of Babel. This is a very, very classic late game story dump that final fantasy does i didn't love it when they did it in nine and i didn't love it when they did it here this like is the plot really it really is like, this is the plot yeah it, it's like it's weird it's because it's like i i like greater threats but i also was kind of happy just having golbez be the guy 
you know, yeah. like I, I don't like when they introduce the new big bad, I suppose. Like the actual lore, I, I suppose I don't really care about or I don't mind. But like adding a different like big bad is I don't know. It's like, what was I doing all this for? You know, it's, and, I'll, and like, I'll nine, tell you, nine does this and I really don't like it when nine does it. I'll tell you what they're doing. And they nine does this. Kingdom Hearts does this. It's because they want to give the villain for some reason a redemption arc. Yeah. I have no idea why. Yeah. What about Golbez deserves a redemption arc? What about Xehanort? What about Kuja? Yep. Why I, can't I they just it. be a shithead? Just be shitheads and die. Like, just be shitheads and die. Exactly. But they always want to have these redemption arc for these villain characters. And so they have to do another big bad who makes even le- like less sense. What do you think about that relative to the Grinch's redemption arc? Do you think he should have been a shithead and died? It would be like if at the end of the Grinch stole Christmas, like Necron showed up. <laughs> and like, that's who really wanted to steal Christmas. And yeah. the Grinch was just his puppet. Yeah. It, it, like if like yeah. anyone, especially Nomura, like anyone at Square, but especially Nomura was running that that story. The Grinch would actually just be this like puppet of this shadow demon from yes. another. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. <laughs> Actually, that would be an amazing game. <laughs> you're playing. You're playing this like Grinch Soul Christmas game where you think you're just, you're stealing presents from kids, and you're just like, okay, well, I can't wait to redeem myself and have to give the presents back. And then the game takes a really crazy turn, becomes a really weird JRPG where you start playing as Cindy Lou Who, and you go to the uh, go to the moon to like <laughs> fight and then this the, like and then this the anti Christmas demon. At the end, you kill God. <laughs> yeah god has decided that he hates the who's and hates christmas yes. oh my god that's my fan fiction right here oh we got it um actually i think i might have forgotten to put together a fan fiction so i'm just gonna say that's my fan fiction perfect um anyway uh so um temporarily joins your party tells you to go back to the tower of babylon earth before you do that though now is the time to go to the cave of bahamut um this is hard. This is a really hard dungeon. I did eventually turn off uh, random encounters, um, but you can't turn off random encounters when you fight these beh- uh, behemoths that are guarding every single chest in the area. Yeah. So I fought I, a lot uh, of behemoths, and I thought they were almost harder than the Bahamut at the end. <laughs> I saw that note, and for a second, I read it as Bahamuts guarding every chest, and I was like, whoa, that's yeah. too many Bahamuts. No, it's <laughs> too many. Um yeah, so you fight behemoths every time you guard these chests. Behemoths are like super high HP, high damage. Anyway, you get to the end, you fight Bahamut. Um, immediately when the the fight starts, there's this five count um, that appears that will signal Mega Flare. Uh, Mega Flare does a ton of damage. Um, but I found out accidentally because uh, my guide was not giving advice on how to beat bosses. Uh, Reflect basically wins the entire fight, and I kind of discovered that by accident. Yeah, there's an item called the Moon Veil um, where you use it and it casts Reflect on everyone. Oh, I didn't even use that. I just literally casted Reflect on everybody. No, you can buy... I think there's a place on the Moon where you can buy Moon Veils, and the Pro Strat is just load up on them and then use them in the fight with Bob. Oh, that's great. See, what I ended up doing... So I lost the first time, and then the second time I, I, I casted Reflect on... I think I just had like someone cast it on themselves and then like it was just doing a ton of damage back to Bahamut when they got when they attacked. So it was it was great. Meteor is also very helpful. Um, I think I used like the Leviathan summon a bit, but it wasn't that super helpful. Um, But yeah, beating him gives you the Bahamut summon, which is like the only summon you really need for the rest of the game. Yeah. Unless you're running low on MP. Um, We should mention. Yeah. Summons uh, take MP. 
So you return to Earth. Uh, the giant of Babel appears out of the Tower of Babel and starts destroying things. I thought this was really cool. I really liked yeah. this a lot, despite the fact that I was a little bit of a it was a little groany at the end of the of this end game. Um, King Jiat, the dwarves, the sylphs and Yang all show up, and start shooting the giant with tanks to try to stop it. Uh, Sid, the elder of Masidia, Pal and Porum, who are alive now. Oh, yeah. Um, also show up. Um, Edward shows up with some airships and shoots the giant. So with the giant distracted, Sid picks you up uh, in, the, in the airship and takes you into the giant's mouth. Super cool. Oh, I, I like this yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, giant of Babel, again, kind of a similar aesthetic to the Tower of Babel and the Tower of Zot, et cetera, Tower, Tower, whatever. Um, a lot of robot enemies. Um, I guess it looks like the inside of a robot, whatever. Maybe not. Which, like, um, why are there robots in this world? I don't know. Let's move on. That's fine. Um, this was kind of cool. This kind of pulled me out of my my endgame funk with the story, and I was like, this is a neat, like, like set piece. And right when you're about to make it to the CPU of the robot, you get attacked by all four of the fiends. <laughs> um, but they're actually extremely easy now. Um, they're not really as much more powerful than they were before. I mean, they have more HP, I suppose, but they all have the same weaknesses and stuff. So you fight all four of them in a row. And then you fight the boss, which is the CPU of the robot, which has this defense node and attack node that support it. You got to want you want to kill the defense node first because it heals the rest of them. Um, yeah. And the CPU will cast reflect on itself, I believe. So a lot of melee here. If you're going to bring back old bosses, this is how you do it. You mm-hmm. want to do it so that the player feels empowered. You don't want to do it to yes. where, oh, fuck these guys again. That's a great point. Yeah. A, uh, being able to just mow down old enemies is 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 great. And it's also one of the reasons I think that more JRPGs should do what Persona 5 did, where you can just literally steamroll old enemies that are such a lower level than you. And you don't yeah. have to actually engage in the ran- in the in the battle itself. So anyway, so after this, Kane and Gobez show up. Uh Fusuya breaks Zemus's control over Gobez, which also releases Kane again from Gobez's control. Finally, Kane again. Not would yeah. you ever keep Kane around? No, I'd be like, do, do no. you you are going to like kill us at any second now? Yeah. Um, so Cecil learns that Golbez is his older brother. Whoa. Not and that Why? I rolled my eyes Why? at. Not a fan of that development. Too late in the game, and also seems like it you could almost like picture the writer's room being like, it is gonna blow everyone's minds when they find this out. And it's so forced. It's, it's so forced. incredibly forced. Um, so Vasoya and uh Gobez leave together to head to the core of the moon to defeat Zemus and Cecil and, co- and company decide to go with um, or f- chase them, a- chase after them. You're not with them. Um, you're just kind of chasing after them. So you head back to the moon. You go back to the crystal room of the crystal palace. Yes. With all the crystals finally in hand, um, you go down into the lunar subterrain. Uh, interesting little trivia tidbit. You can talk to the crystals. They have like things to say to you. Yeah. Um, just interesting. I talked to a couple of them. Yeah. Um, the God, I fucking hate this final dungeon. The lunar <laughs> subterrain can go fuck itself. Um, for the I most played... part, I agree. I lo- I kind of like the aesthetic a little bit. And then once you get to one of the basement levels, like basement eight, I think, and like where, where the like the Masa Moon is, it like the, there's a change of scenery where you can like see like the core of the moon or something in the background. Yes. Or I don't know if it's the core of the moon or a sun or something. It, it's like this crumbling rock structure with this like spherical fiery core behind is awesome looking. That's very cool. The aesthetic is cool. Like we transition from this cave to like these crystal caves. I like that. But it's, long, it's, it's too long. The random battles are too frequent and 
too difficult. I absolutely turned off random battles. Very yeah, absolutely. Here. There's like cool enemy design too. Like some of the sprite work on these enemies, I like. They're just they're HP sponges. They're too difficult, especially if you're working your way down to fight the final boss. Yes. Um, it's full of optional bosses guarding the best equipment in the game. They're We're not going to go over... too hard. I did all of them. No. They're not that bad. They're honestly better than just fighting all of these like random encounters more. But I guess the whole point is the bosses are going to be harder if you can't heal or if you have to be healing and using all your MP. So like I if appreciate... I if I hadn't didn't have random random battles off, I would have needed to have stocked up on like elixirs and ethers and stuff. But before yeah. coming here, I appreciate that. Um, like you have the option with this equipment to take on the boss or not. Like it's up to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of annoying. Yeah. So at the very bottom, the party find Fusoya and Golbez fighting Zemus. Um, they defeat him together, but Hey, guess what? In death, Zemus becomes zero miss. Aha. So the final battle must begin. I thought we were on the final battle so many times ago, but no, this is the final battle. Um, so we get a scripted battle where you lose, um, but the party's friends and allies send their prayers to revive them, setting the stage for the actual fight. Um, you receive a crystal. Um, you want to use this item at the start of the battle. It makes Zeromis vulnerable. If you do not use the crystal item, you cannot do damage against him. Um, Zeromis's sprite, very cool. Love both of them before his like before you use the crystal and after the crystal form. Before he looks kind of like this ghost, this wraith. After he looks like this xenomorph bug crystalline monster thing what do you think about zero miss uh i'm i'm a fan of the design of zero miss i actually so i i died like three times i think to zero miss and i was like oh man do i have to grind like i think i was like level like between like level 65 and 70 with everybody and i was like i should be should destroying be him but yeah i think i just approached the fight in the wrong way um like I don't know. I, I forgot exactly how I changed my strategy. Um, but there were there. I guess maybe I didn't focus enough on healing. I think you need just a dedicated healer, and I think you I was do. trying to occasionally heal. But also in this game, and this is one thing I don't like about I don't like in the Final Fantasy games when when you do a, a cure all, it does less. It heals for less. Yeah. Than if you were to do it to one person, and I was doing cure alls, and that was a mistake. Um, it does not heal people enough. I just need you just need to find the weakest person and heal them and hope that you don't have two people near death at once. Yeah. Um, his big bang attack is pretty rough. Um, it'll charge up for a few rounds, but it does massive damage. So make sure you're topped up before that and switch to defense. Um, yeah. he also counters magic attacks with flare, uh, which is very annoying. So you can put reflect on characters to bounce it back. Um, but he just has very high HP in general. Um, like you said, keep Rosa on healing duty. Um, I also have edge switch to healing duty, um, because I don't find his attacks particularly powerful. Um, so when I need a backup healer, I usually do edge. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, kind of actually pretty similar, pretty similar yeah. strategy. Yeah. So you defeat zero miss the end, the moon and the world is safe. After zero misses defeat, Fusoya returns to sleep with the rest of his people Golbez, feeling he can't return to Earth after what he's done, and being Lunarian himself, goes with him. Cecil forgives Golbez and calls him brother. Why? Sure. Okay. They get this cathartic moment. Stupid. Um, the moon heads off into space, and the party members return to their homes. Basically, all of them need to rebuild their homes. The world is kind of in shambles. Mm -hmm. Edward becomes the king of Dampsian. 
Edge becomes the king of Eblon. Yang and Sheila became the new king and queen of Fabul. Kane goes to Mount Ordeals to train, vowing not to return to Baron until he has proven himself worthy. Everyone but Kane attends Cecil and Rosa's wedding coronation as the king and queen of Baron. The world is safe. Final Fantasy IV is over. It's over. We're done. We did it. And then now, a couple years later, the after years begins. Yeah, but who cares about that? But who cares? Who yeah, cares? yeah, yeah. Um, there, oh, works? yeah. There, I This is a really minor nitpick. There's this gross fourth wall breaking where all the characters are waving at you. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like it either. So stupid. Um, um, what works about Final Fantasy four? So I like that there's no party management. That was kind of just a right place, right time for the game like that. It was nice. I, I churned this game out in like 15 hours. Can you believe that? Like that's I can with the random encounters off. It's perfect. Um, yeah, like the lack of party management was was worked for me. Um, there's a good and bad element to characters kind of coming and going. Um, the story for the most part is great characters like the core group the characters are great the music is excellent those are kind of like my my highlights yeah i'll echo all those things um i'll say the attempt at pushing story um a little more than final fantasy one two three definitely pays off this is the first final fantasy game with like definitive characters that you can remember um because who remembers gus from final fantasy 2 fucking no one um, but you remember <laughs> Yang, you remember Rosa, you remember Kane. Like that's where this era of like Final Fantasy storytelling kind of comes into its own. Um, yeah, all those things. I I just yeah, I like all the things you said. I think some of them are double-edged swords, like with the character create like creation and progression. You don't have a lot of control over it, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Like you mentioned, the party recomposition that happens several times throughout the game. I like that. Um, I think it's silly in the DS version when you can create your own party by the end of the game. Yeah, I don't because like because characters like Palam and Porum and Sid and Edward, like they're not meant to be late game party members. They're just not. Yeah. Um, the game is balanced for them to only show up when they show up, and I think that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, in terms of what doesn't work, um, what do you think doesn't work? Um. Well, so I, I'm going to say difficulty spikes, but not, I mean, I didn't really experience that much, but it was very evident where they appear. And I'm like, that's bullshit. That's like, I like the game is very clearly signaling. You need to grind now. I don't like that. Yeah. The two biggest sins I would say are the grinding and the weird economy. Yeah. Both of which can be mitigated if you're playing the pixel remaster. There's a lack of aesthetic variation though, that we talked about that I think is a, is a hindrance. The fact that characters do come and go, you can only get a detachment to a subgroup, which in a way I think works. But the thing I don't like about that is like the sacrifices when, when characters come back and are actually alive. I'm not happy. I'm like, they had a good death. Yeah. Maybe a silly death slightly, but it's like, keep them dead. Um, And yeah. I would say like generally that the classic Final Fantasy sin of the late game story dump. Um, I think the end is definitely the last. Like, it's weaker. There's some cool stuff to be found in it for sure that I like, but. Overall, I would say the end, like the last like 20% or like last like 15% of the game is weaker than the, the yeah. previous. Now that we've just talked about the story, I'm realizing how much four has in common with nine in terms of a story. And I'm wondering why in nine, like Kuja showing up on the scene is so cool. Whereas in this game, Golbez showing up on the scene is more head scratching. So I actually, Kuja was, I was actually mixed on Kuja, to be honest with you. Um, but I still love nine. And actually, this game actually made me really want to replay nine. Yeah. There's like, there's many beats that are similar. Yeah. 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 
Um, all right, exploring the world of this game. Um, how would this work as a movie? Who do you have as the central role? So I have okay, I'll just I'll I'll go through these. So as uh actually let we'll just let's just do these characters one by one. We'll each give our thing. So as Cecil, I have Dan Stevens. Okay, I have Jason Sudeikis going I, for a little more serious. Intru- what? Yeah, Dan Stevens is a more serious choice than no. Than I mean, Jason like, Sudeikis. I mean, Jason Sudeikis would be outside oh, of his wheelhouse. Got it. it. I think Dan Stevens works because he can do. He he's played like where he's really he's a really good guy and also can play evil pretty well yeah. too. And yeah. similarly for Kane, I have Wyatt Russell, interesting, um, who I think does a really good job of kind of being like a dickhead in the captain america or the winter soldier falcon winter soldier series i thought he did good work there i think he he could be a very convincing kane i could see that i actually for kane had um someone captain america related um i had um sebastian stan sebastian stan yes thank you oh yeah that could work that could work too that'd be great um for rosa i had famke jensen uh too old too old not that i want to be ageist about it but i think rosa needs to be younger well in my mind this is going to be a cg movie oh see i was doing like thinking live action but you're right cg would be way better yeah um so i just rewatched uh the suicide squad a couple times one because i was showing it to Miranda for the first time another because i watched it on a plane back from i'm assuming you mean the david ayer one (laughs) of course not (laughs) um but um the actress who play the portuguese actress who plays rat catcher 2 is excellent she like carries the movie daniela melchior I think she'd be a great Rosa. She okay. has a lot of charm. She's a wonderful actress. I can't wait to see her more things. For Edge, I had Steve Ewan. I for Edge, I had who cares? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> um, for Kane, I had the late great Alan Rickman. Oh, okay. Uh, for, wait, for Kane? For Kane. <laughs> also, if I if I was Kane is going, supposed to be younger. If I well, either way. And then for Rydia, I had Selena Gomez to capture young Rydia and older Rydia. <laughs> I had Sophia Lillis, the uh, actress, uh, like the standout of the it, uh, the yeah. kid actress for it. Yeah. And then for Golbez, I had Brian Cranston. I had Michael Shannon, but I like Brian Cranston more. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yang, who about what about Yang? Um, I did not have Yang. Let me see who Yang. I did Don, Donnie Yen. I could see that. Um, then- I could also see um, who plays Dexter. That guy. Michael C. Hall. <laughs> Michael C. Hall. Uh, okay. <laughs> How could you see? I can't see that at all. But to each his own. Uh, for Sid, I had John C. Riley with a big bushy beard. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I normally feel like you always want to cast John C. Riley. Uh, I like I like a John C. Riley role. Uh, tell I put Ian McKellen. Yeah. Yeah. Would you want to live in this world? No. Yeah, I don't either. No. I mean, it's cool world. that like you can breathe on the moon. I guess, but that's about it. <laughs> Or they were all holding their breaths <laughs> for that long. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. How would we know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. This was like a. It was. It's not a very interesting question. I think in this case, which is odd because it's a Final Fantasy. Game. Well, I guess the better question is, and we can think about this: What Final Fantasy world would you want to live in? Honestly, none of them. They all seem yeah, like not... it's a world like just being torn apart. Yeah, not many of them by I mean, war, the... cosmic forces, or both. Yeah, I don't think I'd really want to do any of them. Maybe eight because like the pop culture and the like world is close to ours. Yeah, always at war. Yeah, if I had to like like live in any of these worlds, I think I'd want to live as a mage. Yeah, but yeah. So, um, fan fiction corner. What did you find? 
Nothing too great. Uh, no. I, I found uh, so, like some novelizations that were just yawn. A lot of romances. Um, there's like a one about Rydia and Edge, which very much caught me off guard because I had to be reminded again that Rydia is not a child at the end of the game. And that Edge is in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It was reminding <laughs> me that Edge is in the game. Um, but yeah, like a lot, a lot of romances. There are, there are is like a Cain and Rosa romance um, and Rydia and Edge romance. And um, there's another, there's like a smutty, like uh, um, Cecil and Rosa moments. But like overall, I was just not super blown away by any of the fan fiction I found. Nothing that I think is worth going into detail on, but no. I hope you found something. I found something deeply confusing. And what is that? It's a crossover. Um, oh? Yeah, it's a crossover with basically everything you can imagine. Okay. So it crosses over with the Cthulhu Mythos, the Lucifer TV series, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Final Fantasy VII, Yu Yu Hakusho, Avengers, Earth Mightiest Heroes, Pocket Monsters, Pokemon, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Sailor Moon V, Five Nights at Freddy's, Super Paper Mario, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Fallout New Vegas, Slime Rancher, <laughs> Castlevania, G.I. Joe, Annabelle, Final Fantasy X-2, Godzilla, Gojira, Moshira, Mothra, Final Fantasy VI, Creepypasta, Warhammer, Labyrinth, 1986 film, uh, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda and related fandoms, Tales of Fantasia, One Punch Man, Beauty and the Beast, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, X-Men Movieverse, X-Men Comicverse, The what? Sandman, Comics, RYBW, Fairy Tale, Batman and the Animated Series, Teen Titan Comics, Teen Titans, All Media Types, Teen Titans Go, Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> Movies, Pirates of the Caribbean, Ride, Ben 10, Sailor Moon, One Piece. Okay. And it goes on and on and on. But the plot is, <clears throat> summary, when the Ministry of Magic enacts a, mag- a marriage what? law sometime after the final battle against Voldemort, this is the reaction for most of the population who is against the idea. So here's here's the idea of this multimedia project. It's called Marriage Law Rejection Letters. And the idea is that Voldemort and the min- corrupt Ministry of Magic have sent out a decree that all purebloods have to marry each other, yada, 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 Voldemort stuff. And I guess it's characters from these various fandoms that all exist together writing protest letters that they don't think that that policy is okay. <laughs> what do you think about that? I, I'm just in shock, I guess. <laughs> Dear whomever it may concern, are you jerks bloody mental or something? There's no way in bloody hell I'm going to take part in a marriage law of all things and be paired up with some racist pureblood pig because you jerks the ministry thinks this law is a good idea for the betterment of everyone. And it goes on. Sincerely yours, Hermione Granger. So what? What? This is Hermione's letter, but there's presumably letters from like Ben 10 also protesting this. <sighs> and like Final Fantasy 10 2 and Subasa Reservoir Chronicle. What drug do you have to take to go down this like road where you're like, I need to write this? What baffles me is that why is there a difference in the tag of Aladdin the animated series and Aladdin all media types? Just well, same put with Aladdin Zelda. all media types. Yeah, why can't you just do that? It was Zelda Breath of the Wild, Zelda all media types, right? I don't, I don't understand. Does it mean the Zelda TV show? Just say Zelda all media types. Uh, yeah. Well, that's. That's upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the fan fiction I found. But yeah, the other stuff I found, it's a lot of like small with Cecil and Rosa. A lot of, like you said, um, Edge, Ridia, like fan fiction that I don't get. 
Um, if I were to write fan fiction for this, I actually, you know what? I don't need to because they already did. And it's called Final Fantasy The After Years. Yeah. And I and I, to that, I would say without knowing much about that, it doesn't this doesn't warrant fan fiction. Would you like me to spoil what it's about? Sure. There's another moon and the other moon has its own group of people. And that moon is actually from across the universe. And actually the origin for all Final Fantasy stories ever one through 16 is that there's this uber creature who plants crystals on planets and those crystals grow and like spark civilizations so in this moon the second moon in the after years the deeper into the moon you go the deeper into final fantasy history you go and you start fighting brosses from final fantasy one two three four five six and then it makes no sense that basically you that actually kind of sounds interesting trying to tie them all together yeah, but it does it in a very nonsensical, poor way. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little intrigued by it, but not enough to play it. No, never. Yeah. And then, yeah, my fan fiction, I'm just going to stick with what I said before about the cringe crossover. Yeah, perfect. What about your, um, what's your fan fiction? Well, my fan fiction is Final Fantasy for the after years. <laughs> Let's just yours. do another moon with, we- <laughs> no, it's mine. Let's do another moon with weird shit. Let's have all the characters be the children <laughs> of the original characters. Okay. And let's have it be really stupid. Okay. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I did back into Dragon Quest VIII. Um, I, I just beat uh, Dual Magus the first time. Nice. Um, so I, but then I'm like, wait, I must have a lot of game left. And it seems you like do. I do. Uh, do. A, I'm actually a little bummed. I, I'm starting to get a little, I think the game's a little bit too long and too big. Um, but I hear that's a problem with a lot of Dragon Quest games. Most I hear that's actually way smaller than Dragon Quest Eleven, which is discouraging. Maybe I won't play Dragon Quest Eleven. Dragon Quest Eleven is very large. Um, I've, as you know, I've been playing Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. I'll just say I'm a little, very annoyed by that game. I need to f- actually finish it. But how um, close are you to finishing it? Not very. I'm out in uh, chapter eleven out uh, of like twenty eight. Yeah, uh, and it's taking a while. Um, the, how long to beat.com says that's like a thirty two hour game. I think I'm going to finish that in like fifty hours. Uh, yeah um i started demon slayer season three it's take doesn't take very long to get very good uh immediately um it's about like i think five episodes or five, episode five like comes out today or something um i've been re-watching bojack horseman um because i haven't watched the final season um so i'm re-watching one through five and i'm gonna finally watch the sixth season uh and i saw guardians of the galaxy three how uh, was which, it which i, I have thought, not seen it yet i thought it was great i think it's a great trilogy it's my least favorite of the three um, but it's still great and okay. good for James Gunn. I'm glad he was able to like do it mostly the way he wants it. There was a little bit of it that very clearly seems like Kevin Feige meddling um, yeah. against James Gunn's wishes. Um, there's a character that's very forced into the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought it was a great, uh, great movie. Nice. How about you? Um, I've been playing a lot of competitive Overwatch still. Oh, yeah. Um, I am like gold star three ranked. Which I think is a rank. Um, sure I'm like is. getting intimidated playing competitive now because it's too intense for me. So I I, I do casual uh, a lot of the time. Um, Edgar and I watched uh, The Clock on Hulu, um, which is a horror movie about motherhood. Um, I fell asleep during hmm. it, so that'll okay. tell you my thoughts okay. on it. Um, and then yeah, just continuing to reread One Piece. Um, still going strong at it, uh, enjoying the new arc as well. 
Um, and then getting excited for Tears of the Kingdom, which I have pre-ordered, but I've looked into literally nothing. I know nothing about it. That's, Absolutely nothing. That's good. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't think that me knowing what I know is going to really affect my enjoyment. But we do need to talk about offline if we need to take a little bit of a brief sabbatical from the podcast. We may. Tears of the Kingdom coming out. I, I, I'm going to propose we do a, a, a special episode, um, like a really easy one um, for that we can record like before Friday. I think, well, or what we could do is we could do a Tears of the Kingdoms, like first impressions. That would be easy to do. And we're going to be playing it anyway. We could. The thing, the my thing against that is first impressions could include, because like, it's a Zelda game, it's open world. We could be saying things that the other one has not experienced yet. Ah, good point. So I would lean towards either we take a, a week uh, or two break uh, or we do um, a special episode. I'm leaning towards a special episode. We'll yeah, talk about special it. episode sounds good. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for listening. That, yeah, that was Final Fantasy IV. Um, yeah. I'm glad we got to talk about this game. Me too. Uh, this game means a lot to me. I played it many, many times. Um, it's just, it's like comfort food. I was reading a review of Bravely Default 2 back when that came out. When the person said, like, a good JRPG is like a bowl of, like, salty mac and cheese. Like, it's not <laughs> great for you. It's very straightforward, but yeah. it's very satisfying. Yeah, and I think we don't do JRPGs very often because they're some of the hardest things to prepare for. Yeah. Um, Just long, usually. And I'm really glad we basically knocked this out in two hours. Uh, it might be a while before we do another JRPG, though. I mean, aside yeah. from, like, the, like, a Pokemon game, it might be a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, and probably a long time before we do another Final Fantasy game. Yeah. Maybe. But in the meantime, if you're interested, I would say pick this up. Uh, Pixel Remaster. If you're going to pick up one of them, I would say make it this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I agree. All, All right. right. See you, crazy kids.